0: Musa. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another fun filled weekend edition of Sega City Sports, Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80.
1: You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG.
0: You can watch Second City Sports right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube. You can catch this episode and all of our episodes first right here on YouTube at War Media every Monday and Friday. You can catch our podcast every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday at WARR on Anchor. That kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app on all podcast platforms. Make sure you type in that search engine box WARR on Anchor. And you can go to our website, weareregorradio.com. That's W E A R E r-e-g-a-l radio.com and you can follow us on all social media platforms that's facebook twitter and instagram at war media once again at w-a-r-r media that's facebook twitter and instagram
1: like share subscribe and tell your friends
0: thank you very much in advance for your support and we are unapologetically fun lakina yours truly had fun back on wednesday april the 14th (laughs) you know why Oh, I know why. But tell the
1: tell our uh, wonderful, <laughs> tell our, uh, wonderful, uh, f- you know, friends, viewers, and listeners why you're having fun.
0: Uh, my favorite baseball team did something that I wasn't expecting. They accomplished this feat last year, and they accomplished it back on Wednesday. I'm talking about Carlos Rodon's first career no hitter. It was a part of an eight nothing win over the Cleveland Indians. Carlos Rodon had over 111 pitches. He pitched his first. No hitter, uh, no hitting the Indians. He had seven strikeouts and great call by White Sox TV announcer Jason Benetti. Uh, he kept on describing during the last uh, couple of innings that all that Carlos has gone through with the Tommy John surgery. Of course, and now ex manager Ricky Rittorio throwing him in there and last year in that situation against Cleveland. Uh, hi, ironic and Cleveland, if you remember, we talked about that last year. Lakina, that was the game that cost the Sox the division title, and that was a bad stretch that they had toward the end of the shortened season last year. Uh, of course, uh, he was a free agent this past offseason, no one took him seriously, so the Sox brought him back for, I believe, three million dollars for this year. And so far, he's been, um, Up there is one of the top pitchers on the Sox rotation next to Lucas Giolito. We'll break down his performance coming up um, during this uh, this past series against the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, his last start uh, previous uh, against the Seattle Mariners on the road. He had nine strikeouts uh, against Cleveland in his no-hitter. He had total control of the ball game, obviously. His breaking ball was on point. He used a fastball when he had to. Uh, well, it wasn't too many fly balls out there in left field. I know Andrew Vaughn, I know we we as Sox fans are all worried about him due to the injury to Eloy Jimenez, but Andrew Vaughn's been okay out there in left field. He caught a couple of balls uh, out there uh, during that game on Wednesday. The, the player of the game, in my opinion, it was during the ninth inning, Jose Abreu dove with his – with his right leg and touched first base to get that runner from Cleveland out. It was a bang-bang play. I thought that the umpires were going to overrule it. Uh, great job by the cameramen and women on NBC Sports Chicago. They had the up-close uh, angles from all four or five angles, and Jose Abreu, his foot clearly touched the back first before the runner hit first base. That was the play of the game. And as a fan that was watching, I said after that play, that's a Rodon was going to do this. At the time, Rodon was having a perfect game on the line. Of course, the next batter was uh Indians catcher Roberto Perez. He was hit on the toe and took first base. Of course, did the umps get the call right? Technically, yes. But Rodon was upset that Roberto Perez couldn't get out the way. I get where Rodon was coming from. I thought he was going to lose his cool for a moment. Thank goodness he didn't. But Roberto Perez... Uh, I'm going to the left side of my brain, which is the intelligent part of my brain. Uh, when you're being no hit, you can find you have to find any way possible to get on. That was the easiest way that a Cleveland uh, batter could get on. So that's what happened. But the no hitter was still intact. Carlos Rodon did his thing, got the next out, and all was well in the White Sox line. So congratulations to Mr. Rodon for pitching his first career no hitter.
1: Well, the fact that, you know, he had been through so much for all the things you said, Sid, you know, had <laughs> Tommy John, you know, he was not tenured to come back to Chicago, then hitting 99 in the ninth inning of a no hitter. So, you know, he's, it's been a roller coaster ride for O'Don and I remember he said that you know, he was doing interviews. he said that one of the things that he loved was the fact that not only that he, there was some semblance of a crowd there, but also to his daughter was her to help, you know, watch him throw the no-hitter. The 20th in White Sox history, second only to the Dodgers, only the Dodgers have more no-hitters than the White Sox. I mean, look, I, no, Perez, like, that was actually very smart of him to try to, like, get off his toe, his big toe, so that, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't go <laughs> down, couldn't get the perfect game, but still, you know, but look, I mean, that's why we have, you have replay for it in that, and that mm-hmm. sense. And look, I was afraid for Abreu that he was going to, like, tear his ACL. He's lucky that he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> <because>
0: or <of that. laughs> injured his knee or injured his hamstring. Yeah. I, was, I had that thought in my mind, too. I was like, oh, crap. Uh, he knew what the situation was. His teammates knew what the situation was. Like uh, like you said, if it was a, a, a regular boring 4-2 game, maybe he still would have done it. But the, the magnitude of the moment, you do what he have to do to get the out. Yeah, you know, no, that's what Jose Abreu did. I don't that, blame him for it.
1: That was like a very like Dwayne Wise. Remember that that catch he made? Yes, you <laughs> know, to, to secure um, Mark Burley's. Um perfect game or was or no it was a perfect game but yeah i mean it was yeah, um 9 mm-hmm. yeah so it was you know look you, you're happy for him you know they won the game now on the flip side though unfortunately they they lost the series to the indians you know they 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 did beat them 8 nothing and then no hitter but again look at it big picture they lost the series to cleveland and and unfortunately now they're they're six and seven now as of this recording and look i i think that this team is still plaguing by the same problems that was happening in, in earlier in this. Well, it's only like two weeks old, well, not even three weeks in, but it's, They still mm-hmm. keep happening. Like the, the middle relief and the, the struggles and also to the errors too. That's another thing. So I, I think that look, while this was a great, I think people got to look at a big picture and, and I think you know, Sox have a a, a very big. not I don't want to say big series, but look, like you got a, a Red Sox team that's actually been playing pretty well. I know their yeah. nine game winning streak was snapped by the Twins on Thursday, but they've been playing pretty well. So I, I mean, the you know, the it's going to be very interesting that that weekend series because I, I think that this is a sort of like a course of a team that you thought was going to be better than have a better start. They have a team that no one really expected anything, but now they have a hot start too. So that, that, that series, I don't want to say this is a must series for the Sox, but I think you gotta have to like, maybe just don't get swept by the the Red Sox. That's all I would say on that front.
0: You're listening to the weekend edition of second city sports along with Laquita McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. That's me. As we talk about the Chicago White Sox and Carlos Rodon's no hitter from Wednesday night. Lakina, let's review this series with the White Sox in innings. The teams actually split the two game series, which I was realistically e- expecting. And so the Sox had the chance to take three out of four, but of course, Thursday's game with uh, Lance Land pitching, uh, the White Sox once again could not muster up enough offense against good pitching. Of course, the Sox lost Thursday's series finale uh, on the Southside 42. Lance Land had uh, six innings pitched, had 10 strikeouts. You made the one mistake to Jose Ramirez, uh, which was a two-run shot. Of course, Cleveland added on a couple more runs after that. But the White Sox, I was encouraged a little bit. We'll review the series score-wise. The the Sox won the opening game of the series 4-3 back on Monday. They lost the game two nothing. That was the Lucas Giolito game. He pitched his heart out, but uh, Garrett Crochet. I like him, Lakina, but he made a big boo boo again, yes. <laughs> which cost the Sox uh, a loss on Tuesday. Of course, Wednesday's game, it was the Carlos Rodano hitter, of course, the loss on Thursday. I want to focus in on the offense. Johan, my kind of looks like he's starting to warm up a little bit. The Yamaneta, <laughs> mm-hmm. your man, Mercedes. Uh, he looks like he's starting to warm up a little uh, a little bit, too. I know he, he's one of the league leaders in batting average in baseball. He still continues to, to swing a hot stick. Jose Abreu, as you mentioned, Lakina didn't have the greatest series, but he made a hell of a play defensively in that Rodon no-hitter on Wednesday. So the White Sox offense is starting to come around a little bit. Of course, Tim Anderson returned on Thursday, got his first hit mm-hmm. uh, on Thursday off the first pitch. So – hopefully the White Sox can uh, gain momentum and not get swept by Boston. But uh, reviewing that series against Cleveland, uh, on the surface, they should have taken three out of four, but realistically, uh, it didn't surprise me that these two teams split. Now, the bullpen, it actually came around a little bit, minus Garrett Crochet's uh, gaff on Tuesday, but uh, Evan Marshall has been doing this in his last few days. Of course, Michael Kopech, he may have to sit a little while longer in the bullpen <laughs> and to, to wait to get into the starting rotation, but he's been lights out uh, coming out of the bullpen. We talked about this before, Lakina, uh, for the last couple of episodes. So yeah. the bullpen is starting to come around a little bit. Liam Hendricks actually looked good um, the other night on Tuesday, so it looks like he's starting to uh, turn it around. We'll see how he goes as the uh, season goes along, but the bullpen is starting to uh, turn itself around a little bit. But The Sox still have to shore up that defense. They did on Wednesday uh, during uh, Carlos Rodon's no-hitter, but outside of that, uh, it's still a problem. And if it becomes a problem these next few weeks, uh, it's not going to be good.
1: Well, look, I think the consistency, I think everybody's got to be consistent. The pitching, the hitting, the defense, all of that has to be consistent. And the problem is that when one thing is good and, you know, two things are good, then, like, the other one is sort of like, you know. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, this is sort of like the thing with baseball. Everything ebbs and flows. And, look, I'm look. They're, they're, look. They're the middle reliever, look, they, they did pretty well against the Indians. That's a pretty good Indians lineup. And, look, they, they split their series – I I mean, that's okay. I mean, look, but I think you're starting to realize, especially with what the rest of the the, the Central's doing, the AL Central, Mm -hmm. that, look, that's still good. That's a pretty, I don't want to say it's a wide-open division, but I think, you know, with KC and Detroit having better starts than a lot of people thought they would, Mm -hmm. I think, Look, you know, although I think Detroit has kind of fell, fell back to earth a little bit, but, you know, Minnesota's had their issues. You know, they, you know, basically kept from, they kept from getting swap against the Red Sox and the mm-hmm. Royals. You know, I, I mean, look, I think this, I think this, to show you, this division is going to be a fight in this division. It's not going to be like, it's going to be just the White Sox and the Twins. It's going to be like a fight for the Royals may have something to say about it. The Indians may have something to say about it. So I, I think that, look, this is going to be very interesting that AL Central.
0: As we said before, coming to the season, Kansas City and Cleveland, I expect those both those teams to be competitive. It's, it's turned out to be that way so far. Uh, like, I, like I also said, I, I think it's going to come down to the Twins and the White Sox ultimately at the end here, but you cannot ignore Kansas City, especially. They're where, where the White Sox were a couple of years ago. I'm not saying uh, they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but they're going to be a competitive team. and It won't be too long. I'm, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it won't be too long before the Sox face them for the first time this year. I believe it's sometime next month. So like I guess I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I can't wait for the White Sox and Royals to play so that it, it, th- those games are going to be um, – ones to watch if your white Sox. obviously is in the division those games are more important than um than any of the teams that you play uh in your outside your division but uh, watching that minnesota boston series uh, I had a chance to watch some of those games boston you can call it magic you can call it whatever but they they took advantage of minnesota's bad starting pitching as i told you before i'm not a big fan that starting pitching when it's time to rise up i.e in the playoffs they don't come through okay? Mm-hmm. Their offense is, is is a home run and nothing offense. They have some boppers over there with Nelson Cruz leading, leading that bunch, but if you're going to sit there and tell me that I should be afraid of the Twins as a White Sox fan, I'm not. Do you respect them? Yeah, because how they won this AL Central over the last few years, but am I afraid of them? No.
1: Well, I think that let's wait till the we get to like you know about a couple of months in i think look Mm -hmm. this is sort of like the time when you're seeing okay you know okay let's sort of like sort everybody out who's a contender who's Mm -hmm. not and you know we'll we'll see i mean like i think right now i think that al central was probably gonna be like a a little more adventurous and a a little more competitive than a lot of people thought it would but again will that be the case about a month from now maybe not but again for right Mm -hmm. now Look, I think that the, the Royals are showing you that there are no pushovers, Minnesota, that they've had their struggles, but I'm sure they'll get it together. The Sox are mm-hmm. having their struggles too. but I you know, I have no I have no doubt they're gonna get it together too. So I, I think that people just need to kind of just chill and relax and just see how it all how the season unfolds.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. And like you said, Laquina, now the White Sox go back on the road. We saw what happened when they went out on the west coast. They took two out of three in Seattle. There should have been uh should have been a, a, a sweep, but that didn't happen thanks to a bad six in, in Seattle a week or so ago. Now, of course, they, they lost three or four to Anaheim to start the year. So they're back on the road against a team in Boston that's playing out of their minds right now. Will they be there in the end? Me personally, I don't think so. But you, uh, the, they're playing well right now. You have to respect that. So if you're the White Sox, you know, I, I don't think what happened on Thursday was a letdown from the no-hitter on Wednesday. They, they just got beat, and they didn't execute. And hopefully you don't. Take what happened on Thursday to the road on Boston this weekend for a big four-game series.
1: Be, well, like I said, it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. So, you're listening to Second City Sports, Zoom style along with Sydney Brown. I am LaKeena McGee. Let's go to the north side and talk Cubs. <laughs> I mean, I, I look, what – what can you say? I mean, just though the bats are having ice cold. The consist lack like a consistency. We're we're mm-hmm. having the same conversation we've had for like the last two weeks. We did mm-hmm. but We sent our codes for you, which you can check out. You know, through the War Media, both on YouTube and on mm-hmm. you know your various um, streaming platforms, audio streaming platforms, I should say. On War on Anchor. On War on Anchor. you know all the you know, various anchors, Spotify, whatever. Mm-hmm. But. I, I mean, good grief! I mean, look, I, like I said, I mean, they had like s- like seven hits. They had like eleven hits, in they went mm-hmm. over the Brewers. And they had like only three. They were shutouts, and they were the series that they could have wanted. And I, I, just think that at this point, I really don't know what to what to think at this this team at this point. I mean, look, you have Colin. Henderson, Hendricks. Some people thought, oh, maybe he had COVID. Turns out he didn't. And then they had, you know, some of their. St- guys and their staff have had, you know, ha- are having COVID issues and, you know, now they have to, you know, step away from the team, do their protocols and such. So, you no know, not not making that an excuse, but again, I mean, you, you need, mm-hmm. look, they're five and seven. Look, I mean, that NL, I mean, the NL Central, I mean, look, if you look at the San Days, no one's really running away from the division at this point. But, again, you need that consistent pitching. You need that consistent hitting. Mm -hmm. And, unfortunately, for the Cubs, at least so far, they got a tough series against Atlanta, who they, too, have had their issues, their various issues. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, Sid, I don't know how you feel. But, look, I'm not giving up yet. But it's kind of they're they're making it hard for folks. I, I know Cubs fans have kind of been more apathetic at this point, and I, I don't know. But I think, like I said, the one the one mulligan that the Cubs have is that no one's run away from the division just yet. So they actually still have a shot, believe it or not.
0: Yeah, that's the only mulligan mulligan that they have right now. Um, watching uh, some of the games from the around out uh, with the teams uh, within their division. St. Louis is off to a horrible start. Yep. Um, you know, Milwaukee dominated them uh, the, uh, last weekend. So in <laughs> Cincinnati, I don't know what's up with them. Pittsburgh actually looked it's looked okay, but like you said, Lakina, like, Milwaukee, uh, of course we all know what they did to the Cubs earlier this week, taking two out of three from them, but like like we said before the season started like Kenan, do you think even though i did pick the Cardinals to win the division do you think that seriously think that anybody is going to run away with this thing even when I thought that St. Louis uh, – when I picked St. Louis, I didn't think they were going to run away with this thing. And I told you before, and we've seen it throughout the first now, almost two four weeks now of the season, that St. Louis Cardinals starting pitching, not good, unless you know something I don't know. Their starting pitching not good.
1: I, like I said before, I know people want to, you know, Arenado. They, have the, they got Arenado, okay, fine. But their mm-hmm. pitching – look, their starting pitching has not been good the last few years, and unfortunately mm-hmm. – and we've seen the game so far it has showed so again look that division i'll be surprised if anybody wins like 85 maybe 85 might end up winning a division so I, I mean who knows <laughs> so look I, i'm not like look i'm not giving up on the cubs yet but we need to get that consistent hitting you need to, you need brian to hit consistently rizzo um you know bias needs to show up and then look i know area had not a, not didn't have a very good start against the I guess the Brewers, pardon me. But look, mm-hmm. I mean, we need to get that, that pitching and that back end needs to step it up, dial it up. And I, let, let, let me, let, let's let hope that they can. And like, I, like we've been saying, that division is still there for the ticket, folks. So, you know, they're <laughs> still in it, believe it or not.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing, McKinnon, from, from where I stand. I accept the Cubs for what they are. They're an inconsistent oh, yeah. team. As of this recording, they are 5-7. and seven with a huge series against Atlanta in your backyard this weekend, including that Sunday night telecast on ESPN, probably for the world to see with that potential poop. But but I accept the Cubs for what they are, and they have been like this for the last two or three years. They're inconsistent on offense. If they can get good starting pitching and get some timely hitting, that's how they win. But as we said before, the way this lineup – is built, at least you could say, that, say it from the last few years, when you have a, a lineup full of boppers, the home run hitters, that's that's how you win. If that's your strategy on how to win. You're going to have problems. And we've seen that before, especially in this town, on both sides of town. But sticking to the Cubs, you have a bunch of big bats in lineup that's all home runs or nothing with these long angles, nonsense and things along that line. You're going to have problems. As I said before, especially with this Cubs team, you're going to have to create runs, hit and run, steal bases, a bunch of guys over. So you you can't depend on your starting pitching to bail you out all the time. And so you got to get creative and get aggressive. Now, with the Cubs losing two to three, uh, two out of three to the Brewers earlier this week, of course the frustration uh, uh, went over in in on Tuesday's mm-hmm. Tuesday's game, which they won. Thank you to Wilson Contreras's go-ahead home run. Late in that game, uh, manager David Ross, uh, pitcher Ryan Terpstra, and um, game planning coach—go <laughs> figure that one, folks. Mike Borzello were suspended after Terpstra threw a pitch in front of the feet of uh, Milwaukee Brewers starter Brandon Woodruff. Uh, you could tell that uh, during that game, the the Cubs were down until Contreras's home run late in that game. Frustration, you could tell, from this team is has boiled over. And, yeah. lo- and looking at this team going forward, if you let that carry you mentally, if you let that hang over you, which affects your, which, uh, which is going to affect your performance, there's going to be problems. You've got to stop this right away if you're the Cubs. Because uh, we know that you have problems, but but uh, it, it's, it's, we say this all the time, Likina, in sports, in particular professional sports, it's 90% mental, 10% physical. And there's no other example than the game of baseball and looking at the Cubs right now, frustration has boiled over let the frust- and we're barely two weeks into the year. Let, let the And frustrate- this is where we're going to see it. it it's going to be, it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better.
1: And I, well, I, that's why I say you let that frustration out on the field, whatever, like, you know, whatever there's, I don't know if there's invite on, I, I don't know, maybe just because they're frustrated because you know, no one's hitting or that the pitching hasn't been consistent. I think, look, if you want, look, like I said, the only, look, the only good news for Coast fans is that that division is terrible. The NL Central's horrible. So they have a chance to kind of, you know, grit, bull by the horns and, you know, and dial it up. And look, let this, all this frustration, lay it out on the field, lay it out on the baseball, let it out, you know, have a great pitching performance, score like seven or eight runs. If you can do that, then maybe, you know what, maybe you have a chance to sort of take control of the division. Right now, I mean, look, this, all this frustration it's not good for anybody. You can't hear out your grievances on Twitter and on, you know, with the media and stuff like that. It's, it's not going to help, you know, let it all out in the locker rooms, keep it in house and just, you know, just, just like I said, just like I said, dial it up and, you know, see if we can you know get somewhere here.
0: Unmute uh, yourself, Sid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. First thing, doing a Zoom broadcast for you, young broadcasters out there. Unmute yourself before you start yes, talking. Yes, But um, <laughs> but uh, if you have that little stuff, uh, uh, issues that you have around the clubhouse linger on, uh, it's going to affect you. And uh, you have to turn that around before anything else turns around. If it, that doesn't happen, there's going to be problems uh, down the road for the, for this Cubs kind of team. As I said before, I accept for I accept what they are. They're, they're going to be in some games this year uh, because of their starting pitching outside of Cal Hendricks. Like I said, Jake Arrieta outside of, of the game against Milwaukee earlier this week. He's been pretty good, okay? Mm-hmm. You need Cal Hendricks to come through. You need some of those other guys like Zach Davies and Azalea to, uh, to step up. But this offense needs to be consistent. Like I said, they had to get aggressive too because you, you cannot depend on the home run all the time. You're going to be in trouble. And also, too, Javi Baez, he's in the contract year, so is, uh, so is Chris Bryant. So both of them are going to step up. And if that doesn't happen, you're really going to be in trouble. So I hate repeating myself, but I am I don't want to throw the – the baby out with the bath water on this team either. I accept for who they are. It, like you mentioned, Lakina, this probably will be 2006 when the Cardinals won the World Series. Remember, they won only 89 games, no, not 89 games, 83 games 83. Uh, during, the, during yep. the year. And they, that was one of the Cubs' worst seasons in recent history at that time. So yep. <laughs> the Cubs can't turn it around, but someone's got to step up and show leadership of on and off the field.
1: Yeah, that that I think that's what that's what they need to do at this point. And let's look. Let's hope that yeah. Look, let that frustration out on the field. You know, look, air out whatever grievances you're you're looking for that you're after. Then just let just have that. Just let it all manifest and just you know let 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 your let their game do the talking. Know your personnel. Mm-hmm.
0: All exactly.
1: Right. All right, so what, let's talk about the whole you know the whole uh, MLB. What what has impressed you so far?
0: The LA Dodgers, excuse my uh, Vince Scully, <laughs> but, uh, watching their, uh, uh, their series against the Colorado Rockies. Of course, we all know that the Rockies are re- rebuilding, but uh, the Dodgers had an impressive win on Thursday night. They spotted the Rockies five, run- five <laughs> runs early, but they came back. Uh, they have, uh, Justin Turner, he had a big blast on Thursday yeah. to have them get back in the game. Of course, they have a role player stepping up. David Price actually picked up his first save on, on Thursday. Kenley Jensen, after a shaky opening uh, series um, at Colorado, he's picked it up a little bit. But uh, the Dodgers are looking good. Mookie Betts is doing his thing. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to hand him the World Series trophies just yet because – Uh, A lot of things can happen. We're barely two weeks in, as we mentioned before, but they're looking good so far. The San Diego Padres, uh, I know uh, they've been on the road recently. They're 95 as as of this recording, and they have a big series this weekend uh, hosting the Dodgers in San Diego, so San Diego's been looking good. Uh, The Arizona Diamondbacks, boo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I watched a couple of their games against Oakland. Uh, Oakland really uh, got into them a little bit, so I've been impressed by those teams so far. The, the Atlanta Braves, I know they're off to a uh, to a bad start. I know they're playing the Cubs this weekend in Wrigley as we speak. But uh, watching that game on Thursday against the Miami Marlins and that comeback victory, uh, hopefully they can use that as a turnaround. If you're an Atlanta Braves fan, that young team is too good to get uh, to again uh, off to a five and eight start. We know it's early but hopefully they'll use that comeback win on Thursday to turn things around.
1: I think the Dodgers are showing – the Dodgers are showing you why they're defending World Series ships. They're kind of picking up exactly mm-hmm. where they left off. And, look, at their pitching has been, you know, pretty you know consistent, but it's been their head that's kind of saved that pitching. Whenever mm-hmm. that pitching, you know, messes up or doesn't have a good start, it was really their head that's kind of saved them. So – you know that that mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to kind of come back from, from, from that deficit on Thursday against the Rockies it just mm-hmm. shows just again it just shows that's what championship you know caliber teams do so and I think they, they showed you why. And look, the Mets have look the Mets have kind of been sort of like you know they haven't been able to play because of COVID issues from the other team. But you know, look they they look pretty good. I mean, they you know as of right now they've won three in a row. Um, the Phillies have kind of came back to earth a little bit. Um, so was the Marlins. They kind of they had had a hard hot start, but then they. – Faded out and look, I mean the, the the Mariners have looked pretty good too. I mean that's a really good young squad. You know we saw what you know they did to the White Sox in that last game of their series last week. You know they've looked mm-hmm. good. um You know the, the the A's. I mean they've won five in a row. But they're you know like that the that, that AL West. I think you know look the, yeah. the Astros as of this recording they've lost five in a row, but. Look, I think there's sort of like even the the Rangers, even the Rangers that no one's really expecting anything from them. They've done <laughs> road as of you know, as of you know this recording. So it, it's, it's just like I think at, at this point right now we, we really don't. When you exception to the Dodgers, you we really don't mm-hmm. know who are the who the contenders are because everyone is like for the most part so like log jammed in the stand in the standings. So I, I, look, I think that right now look, I think it's the Dodgers. I don't want to say look, I'm not giving them the trophy either, but I think the Dodgers are showing you why they are the defending World Series
0: champions. <laughs> Looking at the AL West standings, uh, remember Seattle had a hot start a couple years ago, and, and they and they faded. So am I a big believer in them? No. They're playing good right now, as you mentioned. But do you think it's going to hold up in the long haul? I don't think so. Nothing personal, but no. Like you said, Oakland has won five in a row. They started to turn it around. Like I said, I watched a couple of their games against Arizona on the road this weekend. And, and as I said before, watch out for Oakland. So uh, they, they're going to turn around. Houston, I know they struggled over the weekend against uh, against the Astros, So, and those two teams are going to go at it all season long. So the AL West stands, as you look at it right now, mm-hmm. that's not going to be in the final standings by the time uh, the season is over. Going back to the NLEs, I know the Mets are up there right now. They play the, play the least amount of games uh, with eight. They currently lead the division uh, by a game over Philadelphia. And, um, we know what the uh, NL Central the division is. Of course, the NL West. Uh, surprisingly, the San Francisco Giants are yeah. eight and four. And so I know they're technically ahead of the San Diego Padres. Do you think that's going to last me personally? I don't mm-hmm. think so.
1: I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it's going to last. I mean, no one's really expecting too much from them and they're kind of like, as they say, they're so starting to kind of, you know, start over to mm-hmm. and rebuild. So I don't think and a lot of those guys that are there now, they'll probably be in, in different teams by the time the trade deadline commences. So I, I look, it's great that the, what the giants are doing with you know a new managerial staff and such, but, I'm not expecting them to stay up there for. I'm, I'm right there with you with the with the Mariners too. I think I think they'll, they'll have a hot start, but I don't think they're going to peter out as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, we should see how that division turns out as the season goes along. You're listening to the weekend to the re- weekend edition of Second City Sports <laughs> along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, since we have these last few minutes left, last transition over to another team in Chicago that's. Giving fans and us personally a big headache, and that's the Chicago Bulls. (laughs) One, two, three, Musa.
1: (laughs) It's gonna take more than that. It's gonna take a lot more than that. Yeah, that's not gonna help.
0: (laughs) Currently, as of this recording, they're on a four game losing streak. Uh, their last uh, game um, was. Played on Wednesday night at the United Center, they lost to the Orlando Magic in the return of Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. and Michael Carter Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Ooh, good grief. That was, but anyway, it'll yeah, you know, say so. it bad, folks. It was a 115 to 106 loss. Laquino <laughs> like, you know, Orlando was up by more than 20 points during this contest, and. Uh, <laughs> I told you before we started recording. I did not look at one minute of that game. I saw a, a couple of highlights, and 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 that was that was it for me. I know Zach Levine led the team with 30 points. I, I, I. <laughs> what do we say for the last few episodes, Lakina? Outside of Zach Levine and now Nikolai Voyagejish. You got to have somebody else to step in and step up. And I, I, right now, outside of those two guys, you know, taking a look at the box score from Wednesday night's loss, mm-hmm. the next guy at the Vujacic twenty-nine points. Kobe White, no, Daniel Tice, sorry, Tice. Scored 16. Sorry, that was Tice. Uh, Daniel, yeah, Daniel Tice scored sixteen points coming off the bench, and that was it. Laurie Marketing in seventeen minutes, how many points did he score? Six. Kobe White in twelve minutes of action, how many points did he score? As we turn that volume down, <laughs> <laughs> um, he scored a total of two points. <laughs> and you and you got uh, Troy Brown Jr., who's been very impressive. We talked about him in our last couple of episodes. He only had three points, but outside of those terrible numbers, Lakina, coming off your bench, th- I have nothing. And there was nothing you're, you're, on you're, Wednesday night.
1: You're Flemix. You're Flemix. Um, look, I was Flemix watching that game. I I mean, look, I I was just like, what really? Like this is this is Orlando. This is the team. that like, get basically, you took their best player, you took their best player, and yet mm-hmm. you know, you, you gave you know two of their our worst players. But then look, well, look what happened. I mean, I look. We'll we'll talk more in, in NBA in our, in our next uh, next block. But I, I think look at this point for the Bulls, I, I I have nothing. And I think look, I wasn't expecting them to be like the number four or five seed in the East. The, the, look, the, here's the crazy part about this, Sid. I mean, the fact that the East is so bad, they're still, like, right there, like, in the play-in game. <laughs> they're, like, they're in 10th place still with everything, despite, despite the losing streak, despite everything that's happened. Now, Zach Levine's going to be out for a few games because of, you know, COVID protocols and safety mm-hmm. protocols. They had to cancel practice on Wednesday. Because of that but every everyone else on the Bulls have test you know, tested negative for COVID. Apparently, so is Zach too. But I guess since he was around somebody mm-hmm. who had COVID, now he's gotta step away from mm-hmm. look, I know there are gonna be some folks that say, well, he was embarrassed by the, the magic loss. So he needed some time. Look, just to stop it, okay, y'all. Y'all y'all really Thank are reaching. You. Thank you. you guys really are reaching and guys have way too much time on your hands. But yeah, you know, back back to the bulls. I mean, look, this just shows you that look, this roster's gonna look a lot different next year. We saw what happened during the trade trade deadline. That's the tip of the iceberg. A lot of these guys Mm -hmm. will not be here. Um, You know, let's see, maybe Temple could kind of be that facilitator that a lot of people thought – that a lot of people say was missed while he was out. Mm -hmm. Look, it'll be very interesting. And now that Zach's going to be out too, boy, it it could get ugly, folks.
0: It could get ugly. And as we said before, uh, this was the the best part of, uh, of the season right here for Chicago. Was their schedule uh, right now? Uh, they haven't taken advantage of it. They're on a the current losing streak. Uh, they looked bad against Memphis on Monday. I did check out some of that, and that that, that would give you a headache unless you're a Memphis fan. But uh, back to Wednesday's game, there was just no effort, no heart. I mean, it's Just gone. It, it's this is the worst Bulls game. Uh, the worst that the Bulls have looked since the uh, the trade, which is I'm now I'm over a month old now. So this is the worst that the Bulls have looked. Now we we've talked about on this show before, like, Keenan reviewing some games that they uh, one or two plays here they could have won the game. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. To not come out with the intensity and the effort and just going around uh, uh, going around like in a bunch of circles and just going through the motions. That's what I cannot stand and you're paid for professionals, and you go out and do something like that and feeling sorry for yourself, that's inexcusable. Yes, you're going to have bad days. We all have bad days. I get it. But when this becomes a habit, hopefully it does it for this Bulls team, whether they make the playoffs or not. But if this comes a habit where you just go around feeling sorry for yourself, just going through the motions, that's a problem.
1: Well, and I think, look, you look, you look at it two ways. I mean, maybe the scheduling, they're, they're playing a lot of, you know, Every other every other um you know, night you're playing a game you know you got to you've got to go up back to backs. Look, I, I get it. You know it can be exhausting. You know maybe they're mentally and physically exhausted, or maybe after the trade the trade of Wendell, you know maybe maybe some guys feel they like, well, I don't, why should I bother? I don't. Know. I'm probably not going to be here next year. But even still, if you're Laurie marketed and you're trying to get get paid big money, you should be playing better <laughs> than you are. And especially if you're Kobe White, you're trying to get, you know, perhaps maybe show AK and Mark Eversley that you can be part of that piece. Because, look, mm-hmm. look, they're not going to trade Zach Levine. I've heard some people say, well, maybe they should trade Zach. No, because you're going to be right back. You want to be like Orlando, what they're going through? No. Mm-hmm. All, you, all the best you can do is just hope you get a top four pick from that, that, that top four pick, try to get somebody, maybe try to get someone, try to get somebody else. I don't know. I know some people said – People have said ball, but again, you know, is he really going to be the guy that's going to you know, take you over the top? I I, I doubt it. Lonzo Ball going to take you over? I, I don't think so. Um, I think he's a
0: better option than what you have right now.
1: He yeah, that's true. That's true. That you're you're, you're right about that. I mean, he probably is a better option, but you got think that they're probably. Are other options out there? So, but again, I think this this team should be showing more effort than they are. And it, it's unfortunate. Look, look, Tyson's been, you know, playing very well. Troy Brown Jr.'s been mm-hmm. playing very well. Look, mm-hmm. that young is that young. You're gonna know, you know what you're gonna get from him. Um, I'm just I'm talking about the Laurie Marketers, I'm talking about the Kobe Whites. Those <laughs> are the players that we should be seeing more of. Mm-hmm. And look either one or both will probably be gone next year right i don't know but look we don't know what you know A.K. kid ever are saying in their minds we didn't know they were going to trade for Vucefish. we don't know what they're going to do in the off season so but but then look you still got a, you still got a game a lot of games left to play you got some winnable games you're still right there for the play i know some people say well let's 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 start taking out look that's not, not going to happen the east is terrible that's unless they like totally yeah. bottom out that's not going to happen
0: I'm with you. That's not going to happen. But getting back to uh, – I'm sure you've seen this more than I have, on, especially on Twitter with Bulls fans, and I've been hearing some conversations on the, the, both the ESPN 1000 and uh, 670, the score. I get the frustration to a point with some Bulls fans, uh, even before this losing streak, and we talked about it before, about some games that they like, get away, even before the trade, mm-hmm. okay? If they just won half those games – They'll be in better position, like the New York Knicks. Okay, let's just say the Bulls were six in sixth place, maybe fifth. Let's just say six to be realistic. Okay. Okay. Do you think they're really the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference right now? No. Not a chance. But, no. But the, for for what the the what the situation is in, uh, entails right now, with the shortened schedule, with the seventy-two game season, with the uh, protocols that that the players have to deal with, which every team has to deal with, you know. Strange things can happen, but the, here's the frustrating thing: If you're a Bulls fan, the Bulls are not taking advantage of the situation. We all said coming into this season, Lakina, that this was an evaluation year, correct? Yes, sir. It's a it was an evaluation year, and I still believe that, and that's what's still going on right now, obviously. Okay, but if, uh, if this team said that they said that there should be a better team, and perhaps a playoff team, correct? That was the goal going into the year, correct?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. Yes. And sir. that was, a, um, I know that was, that's the goal after this trade for Vucevic. Now over a month, right? Correct. Mhm.
1: Keep going.
0: If you know, you gotta walk it like you talk it, it. Right now, for the Bulls team, I believe they'll eventually get better. It Depends on what the front office does. But focusing on the here and now, as I said before, if you go around feeling sorry for yourself and not taking advantage of. of of the situation, uh, there's going to be a problem. you got to play a full 48 minutes and give consistent effort. You you can't just say, well, Zach is going to bail us out. Now, Vujicic is going to bail us out. If those two guys are on their game, we can hop on their backs and see what happens. Maybe we can win. If those two guys or one of those guys are not doing anything, there's going to be a problem. If that's your game plan, there's a problem already. You just mentioned the players are going to have to step up, Lakina Head coach Billy Donovan can only do so much. You know, calling team meetings and saying stuff in front of the press, you can only use that, um, I don't want to say trick, but you can use that strategy to a certain point. And I like the the job that Billy Donovan has done this year, by the way. So for those of you that wondering what I think of uh, head coach Donovan, he's been doing a, a good job. Yeah. I know no, no coach is perfect, but this is the roster he's been dealt with, okay? And I think given people- all, yeah, given all the situ- all the circumstances going around with the team, uh, he, he's he's done a good job. Uh, he's a good coach, he's going to be here for the long haul. Like you said, the, the roster that we're looking at right now is not going to uh, be the same when we we commence in, for the 2021-22 20, season uh, in the fall in October.
1: Like 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 I've been saying, look, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting this team to be like a top field. You know, I was expecting it to be a four mm-hmm. or five no no look this team look know your personnel and i think that's the mm-hmm. problem some bulls fans are having people are not they don't know their personnel yes you've got mm-hmm. vucevic yes you've got levine but yeah really don't have nobody else after that i mean look mm-hmm. times Ty, has been pretty good like you know brown jr's been kind of up and d- up and down you know garrett temple is sort of like like i said that young, that young you know you know what you're gonna get from him but like i said the problem is that the rest of this roster look like I said, most of these guys are not going to be here next season. We, they'll probably mm-hmm. be traded or you know, released or, you know, someone will give Lowry like a hundred million or whatever. So they can, I, I don't know. But I mean, look, here's the thing with, with, with the, with this team. I mean, look, they are who you, who they are and mm-hmm. look, are, should they be, have a better record? Sure. Should they be mm-hmm. better than what they are right now? Yeah, of course. But again, you know, I think that the problem is that you have you' know, too many parameters. I mean, look, I mean, you know, don't coach Donovan can only do so much. I know some people are actually blaming him for some of his rotations and stuff like that. Look, he has to deal with what he has. hmm Like this is not like look, they're they're not the nets where they can, you know, like all like half their guys to to take a day off and the other half can, you know, pick up the slack. That's just not the case. This is this this team wasn't built for that. The roster that was, you know, shown, you know, wasn't built for that kind of, you know for that kind of thing so i think people need to sort of figure out you know know your personnel know who the scene mm-hmm. really is because they're not who you know not to quote you know not to you know switch sports or you know quote uh, NFL you know the late great Denny Green Denny Green here but they are who you thought they were
0: yep <laughs> i think we should end in in this segment with that quote r.i.p Denny Green <laughs> Let's take this 20-second timeout. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with LaKenna McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown, which is me. On the flip side, we'll preview this weekend's action from the around the National Basketball Association. We'll, we also will review the week that was in the world of basketball and also uh, spring football coming to a major network. Hmm. And we'll ask you guys a question regarding Jackie Robinson Day. As, we are, as baseball is celebrating uh, throughout the weekend and we'll have a whole lot more. You're listening to the, week, to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKit80. Once again, that's SidKit80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You
1: can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kino Scrum McGee on the IG.
0: You can catch this program, Second City Sports First on YouTube. At War Media once again right here on YouTube at W A R R Media every Monday and Friday once again that's every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media you can still catch our podcast every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor once again every Tuesday and Saturday for the audio version at W A R R on Anchor which kicks you over the Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box all podcast platforms. W-A-R-R on Anchor and you can follow us on all social media platforms that's Facebook Twitter and Instagram at War Media once again at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and of course YouTube and you can go to our website weareregalradio.com thank you very much in event advance for your support
1: like, share, subscribe and tell your friends
0: let's kick off the second half of the program Lakina, by diving into the rest of the of the NBA world. Uh, before we preview this weekend's games, let's go back to the best and worst of the association from this past week. Lakina, I'll start off. Congratulations to the city of Los Angeles. They are starting to let fans in to attend games including, uh, in the Staples Center, and that's including the Lakers, the Clippers for the basketball teams, and the Los Angeles. Uh, Kings for hockey. Of course, the Honda Center, which is in Orange County, that's where the Anaheim Ducks play. Fans will be uh, attending games in that arena as well. Of course, on the court uh, uh, this past Thursday, Lakeena, the Lakers lost to their uh, historic rival, the Boston Celtics, 121-113. to Jalen Brown had a game of his life, uh, the high total for him for the season. Uh, Is 40 points he scored that on Thursday? Grabbed nine rebounds and dished out three assists. Taylen Horton Tucker came came up big for the Lakers, scoring 19 points, grabbing seven rebounds, dishing out seven assists. Lakina, we talked about this before with this Lakers team. Uh, Is Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond, who did not play on Thursday? He has to uh, get back healthy, and once those two guys are in the fold they have to hold it down until LeBron James and Anthony Davis gets back. And it looks like it's going to be about another two or three weeks before both those guys get back. Makina, as I said before in the last episode, for the Lakers, uh, all, all the players that are available to play right now, this is about who's going to get the most playing time come playoff time.
1: Well, and also to the good news for AD is that he has been cleared to practice, although, like you said, it's probably still going to be a couple of weeks before he'll be able to play but, you know, with that said, though, I think, look, you know, of course, Andre Drummond did not play on, on Thursday, you know, still noticing that toe injury, mm-hmm. still want to give it a little bit of a rest. But um, I think, look, I think people, look, you know, Horton Tucker, you know, you know kudos to him for his effort. But, again, I think they need AD and LeBron back. So, I, I think, look, I think this is going to – hopefully now with, you know, AD being cleared to practice, mm-hmm. hopefully you know, with a couple more – in a couple of weeks, you know, they'll have they'll be at full strength. We can kind of see the team that we all thought they, you know, seeing that team and you know at the you know, the Lakers team that we thought that you know would be, especially with some teams having injury issues. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. But as I made that, um, sorry, Kevin Hart, I love you, but you know, not 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 right now. Um, but but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, Shorter's got to step up. You know, Caldwell Pope's got to step up. Uh, Wesley Matthews, he has to step up too because I think mm-hmm. look, unfortunately for for them, I think you know for the Lakers, it, it just shows you that without AD and LeBron and and Drum now Drummond, that that's not you know this team just isn't going to be like that top team in the West that we all thought they would be. So I think it hopefully you know in a couple of weeks they will be at full strength and that you know mm-hmm. we can kind of you know look they're look they're doing but these guys are doing what they can, but again there's they're not at that level with. A. D. LeBron, or even, or even the A. D. Andre Drummond.
0: Speaking of the team that beat the Lakers on Thursday, the Boston Celtics. Uh, Lakina, looks like we put a, a fire under there. You know what? of course, <laughs> uh, they're on a, a current a winning streak. Of course, let's go back to Tuesday's game. Jason Tatum had a go-ahead three-pointer. Well, uh, that was part of his 32-point performance as they defeated the Portland Trail Blazers 116 to 115. Lakina. Uh, I've been back in Portland for many years during these radio shows, and is including this one. Uh, they Portland's starting to slip a little bit, and maybe uh, Damian Lillard's MVP chances as well? Question mark.
1: Looks like it. I mean, look, he has struggled lately. The team itself has struggled, and look, that was a big win for Boston. You know, for the confidence per confidence level, because mm-hmm. they kind of like we're going back into those bad habits again. But you know, the good news is they were able really to kind of. They were able to bounce back from that. That was a big win for them, and you know Portland. Unfortunately, they're they're picking the wrong time to you know kind of go through the slump. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you know, similar to the Bulls, I think you know with with the all these teams playing, you know, condensed scheduling, and you know these guys are. Look, we were talk, we we're talking about the Nets in a second. You know what happened with mm-hmm. that game against the Sixers, but I, look, I think for me. I think I'm hoping Portland can get it together. I mean, like I said, even in the 72 game season, especially the season like this where you're playing a lot of games, you know, kind of like in unison. Mm-hmm. So, look, I, I hope I hope they can get it together, but I, I'm a little. They've got some some you know, they have, you know, a couple of you know tough games coming up. So we'll see what Portland can do, but I'm, I'm not too worried about Portland just yet. But we'll see.
0: Let's also give some love to the Phoenix Suns. They won their two games this week. They defeated them the Sacramento Kings That's on right Thursday, yeah. and they defeated a lot. Shout out to our good friend of the show, Miss Alana Tech Hour. They have the Phoenix Suns defeated the Miami Heat on Tuesday, 106-86. to 86. DeAndre Ayton has really been impressed these last couple of games, Likina. as uh, we said on the this, this show this, the last episode, I'll say it here. Monty Williams should be the leading candidate for head coach of the year. Uh, Chris Paul, he probably won't get MVP. He should receive more consideration for it. Uh, He's been playing well. Denver Booker, of course, he's the leader of the team Uh, scoring-wise. Could that cause a problem for a couple of these top teams, including Denver, which we'll get to their situation in a second? Uh, uh, Can Phoenix cause a problem for a couple of these teams? Yes. Do I expect them to reach the NBA Finals? No, because they're still a piece or two away. But I like the way they're playing right now. This is not a fluke. Remember, folks, before the injuries to the Lakers and now the Denver Nuggets, which we'll get to in a sec, they were up there, folks. So this has not just been a, a barrage for the last month. They've been playing good all season long. And the impact of Chris Paul is real. DeAndre Ayton has decided to step, step up. Denver Booger, he's no joke. And so I, I like this Phoenix Suns team. And I'm not saying they're going to do amazing things come playoff time, but uh, they're going to be a tough out for someone.
1: Well, and look, like, you know, are, they're, they're kind of like proving to you that they are kind of right up there with the Jazz and both the L.A. teams and such. So, look, I think having Devin Booker and getting Chris Paul, I think that was sort of like having the guy that's been there that has, you know, is a veteran that, that you know, will listen. You know, a lot of these guys will listen to him. And, you know, Aiden is stepped up, too. I mean, there's like, look, there's a lot of depth in that, in that Suns team, of course, you know, besides Booker and CP3. And DeAndre Aiden. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, there are a lot of you know, there are a lot of guys like Jay Crowder has. You know, he's been up and down, but you know, he's he has some big you know, has some big moments. Um, you know, Mikhail Bridges has some has has had some big moments for them too. So mm-hmm. having look, having that you know, that depth, and also too that they're very young overall, and also Monty was having a coach there that has been there mm-hmm. that knows you know what it takes to kind of like win has seen championship teams. So I, I, I think. Look, I think that their things are showing you that, look, maybe, look, maybe we could be up there with the guys. I mean, look, you never, in a season like this, you never know. So I wouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, put a, a stamper on them not being, you know, up there with, you know, will they make the finals? Probably not. But I think, look, they may, they could make the Western Conference finals. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. see. Certain things have happened.
0: Yeah, let's review Wednesday's action, Lakina. Let's lead off with the headline game. The Dallas Mavericks defeated the Memphis Grizzlies 114 to 113, thanks to Luka Doncic's last-second shot, which was part of his 29-point performance. Lakina, we talked about this before. The Dallas Mavericks are six games above 500 as of this recording. They have played much better on the road. They're trying to stay out of that seven spot, so they don't won't have to play in that playing game. They're. Uh, the early season struggle stuff—you can forget about that. It's in the rearview mirror. I, I really like the way this Dallas team is playing right now with Kleber, Josh Richardson, and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. hope he can step up, Luka Doncic is the man right now. But uh, Christos Porzingis, uh, up until this game, he's been playing very well. As I said before, if he can stay healthy, he can really uh, help Dallas uh, become that team in the playoffs that you you don't want to play because we saw—we all saw what happened last year without Porzingis. Luca was playing on a bad angle and darn near, darn near uh, eliminated the Clippers. Of course, we all know what issues that they had last year. We'll get to their uh, East Coast road trip results in just a moment. But uh, this Dallas team is starting to finally come together. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully if Luca doesn't get hurt and Kristaps Porzingis can stay healthy, that's going to be a dangerous, another dangerous team come playoff time.
1: Well, and I think that was sort of a prayer by Luca. I think even he admitted after the game he thought, look, that was mm-hmm. a prayer that was just answered. And so it was sort of like, like I didn't know
0: it was. It good. was. <laughs> Don't apologize for it. you made the shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but like, but you know, he's very stoic that way. So, but that's why you know a lot of people love him. But I, I mean, look, I mean, there's they're, they're getting a lot of they're a lot of contributions besides you know, look, you know, Tim Haraway, Jr. has some big, big, you know, big points off the bench. Um, Dwight Powell has had some big, big, you know, points for them too. Look, they like, like JJ Redick has kind of contri- has contributed ever since ever since that trade. So I, I think, look, I think that I think that the Mavs are showing you that, look, hey, maybe look, maybe don't question Rick Carlisle, maybe because of the fact that, you know, they had COVID issues and half their guys were, you know, you know had to, you know, had to not, you know, not be with the team because of COVID issues. So I think now that, you know, everyone's healthy and everybody's kind of you know, back into the groove, I think now we're seeing that, okay, you know what, this Dallas team, this is a team that we expected. So, look, you know, kudos to Dallas and the fact that they've been able to kind of, you know, they're kind of, you know, they got a, little bit of a, got a little bit of a cushion between themselves and the Grizz for that to be out of that eighth, eighth playoff spot so that they don't have to do the play-in. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they got a, they got a pretty tough schedule, too, you know, in these next couple of weeks, but we'll see what they do.
0: The other headlight game from this past Wednesday was the Philadelphia 76ers. They continued to roll. They defeated the injured New Jersey. So who's I said New Jersey? Good grief! The <laughs> Brooklyn Nets 123 to 117. Joel being continues to impress as he tries to up his resume for perhaps a regular season MVP award. He scored 39 points, grabbed 13 rebounds. Kyrie Irving, the <clears throat> excuse me, the only superstar that played for the Brooklyn Nets. He scored. Uh, uh, team high, 37 points, a dish down, nine assists. Lakina, uh, a couple of things about this game. One, uh, I was watching this game via my computer, mm-hmm. <laughs> via the Yes Network feed. I know most of y'all saw that broadcast via ESPN, but Lakina uh, – DeAndre Jordan, I bring I'm bringing his name up now, and this gonna affect where we're gonna mention next. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan, who's uh, who was in the starting lineup on Wednesday, he grabbed 11 rebounds, uh, according to the Brooklyn Nets broadcast. Great broadcast team, by the way, of Sarah Kustak and. Iron Eagle, friend mm-hmm. of the Dean David show, by the way. Yep. Um, they brought up this statistic. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's 11 first quarter rebounds. That was the most since January of 2000. And guess who grabbed 13 rebounds for the Nets 21 years ago in one quarter, in the first quarter?
1: Oh, 21 years ago. Oh, boy.
0: Don't Google. Don't Google. i
1: wait, wait, wait I'm not. Look, I'm not Googling. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Okay. I won't even try to guess. Um, hmm. All the way back to 2000. Um, I have no idea.
0: Five, four, I, I, three. I, I, I give two. up. Jamie Fike, number 14.
1: Oh, I never would have. <laughs> you could have given me like 10
0: minutes. I never would have. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, I barely remember him, but. He was the one that replaced Jason Williams, the, the limo driver shooter. Yeah, we won't get into that. that, that. But, yeah. but remember, he broke his leg that year. Yeah, remember, New did. Jersey was supposed to make a deep playoff run with those teams. It was him, Seth, Casella, Keith Van Horn. But all those guys had injuries, and the, that that blew up in their faces. that's how they got Stephon Marbury. But anyway, Jamie Fight grabbed 13 first-quarter rebounds in January of twenty. Uh, no, of uh, 2,000. Of course, DeAndre Jordan grabbed 11 rebounds in the first quarter of that game. Looking at that game, Laquino were competitive in the first half, but uh, Brooklyn didn't bring it in that second half. Joel Embiid, as I mentioned a second ago, he had a monster game. Uh, I know uh, head coach Steve Nash for the Nets said after the game that uh, they weren't going to show too much uh, to Philadelphia, just in case they meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, which I think is going to happen. But <laughs> Uh, Brooklyn's not going to worry about this game too much. And DeAndre Jordan, he's very lucky that he's getting extra minutes, only because that earlier this week, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who signed with the Nets a, a few weeks ago, he announced his retirement due to health issues. Uh, he he played for about 13, 14 years. And, and this is a Chicago connection to this. Mm-hmm. Of course, LaMarcus Aldridge was drafted in the 7 Draft was the O? it was the O-6 O-6 draft 06 draft. The 06 draft that he was mm-hmm. traded uh, in exchange for Tyrus Thomas, who was a head case here in Chicago. And that was doing the end of the Scott era for those of you that may not remember. But Lamarcus Aldrich had a, a very good career. Uh, it was him and Damian Lillard uh, for those early teams in Portland in his career. And uh, he played with Brandon Roy and uh, injured uh, Greg Oden. He had his issues off the court later on. I'm talking about Odin, but you know, he was injured when he was a member of the uh, Trailblazers. Of course, LaMarcus Aldridge took the money and went to San Antonio a few years ago. Became an all-star there again a couple more times. He's had a very good career, but He's not going to have a chance to get the ring with Brooklyn. Uh, he's going to take care of his health, which is a good thing. I do not knock him for that. I was listening to uh, the Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio on Thursday, and Rob Parker, Chris Broussard brought up this question. Is LaMarcus Aldridge, who has the numbers, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? He's, he's in the Hall of Very of the very, very good, but I don't think he belongs in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I think Chris Bosh and Chris Webber, who's been knocking on the door these last few years, came getting left at the front gate. He deserves to get in, by the way. But uh, Chris Bosh and, and Chris Webber, both those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Those are Hall of Famers, not LaMarcus Aldridge. Nothing personal about LaMarcus Aldridge is not a Hall of Famer.
1: Well, for, well, remember, he went to Texas, too. He had a nice, you know, a good career at Texas. So I think that's going to help him get into Hall, Basketball Hall of Fame. Because remember, mm-hmm. it's just – it's not just you know your MBA or your professional career. It's your college career. If you look like in the college, Olympics too, if you participate yeah. in the Olympics, he, yeah, he actually you want a gold medal in the Olympics. So I, I think that's gonna be what's gonna you know get him in. I think you know regardless. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, if you, his MBA school, you know, stats alone, we just talked about, okay. Okay. He didn't have a, you know, he had a good career, but again, he had a good career We're at Texas for the couple of years he he played there. And, and look, I mean, he's been a great ambassador for the game. So that's going to help him get in the hall of fame. I believe in the basketball hall of fame, because basically they pretty much let everybody in the hall of fame and in, in the bat in basketball, you know, whatever the level. So I, I think, mm-hmm. look, I think people need to kind of, you know, I he'll get in, I think. He won't get in right away, but I think he will get in eventually. So I think that's what happened was with that. Now as far as the nets, um and, and, and you know, cool to him for you know, thinking about his health and, and, and whatnot. That mm-hmm. sounds pretty scary that you know, he had that, you know, right before the game he had that during the game he had that irregular heartbeat and of course, you know, you never wanna F around with your heart, so you know, exactly. So you know that that's sort of you know props to him for you know thinking about his health and you know stepping away from the game. And look, I'm sure he'll probably he'll I'm sure he'll probably I don't know if he'll coach. Maybe he'll do some television or something. You know, maybe you know you never know what his next career and you know chapter of his career will be. Now as far as the game itself, I mean, look, half the best didn't play. People forget you know because of injuries and rest. Mm-hmm. I know folks at ESPN did not like that. And I think that's why they're <laughs> trying to avoid that. But again, look, mm-hmm. you're still doing with, you know, these guys are playing like a very condensed schedule. Mm hmm. You know, that this, feels, as you can see, that's short the season is. So they're playing all these games sort of like in, like I said, in unison. So, of course, they're going to take a day off or two. And look, you know, look, the Nets didn't score for like eight minutes. So, <laughs> from the mm-hmm. well, field goal, they, 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 you know, they have free throws, but they didn't score like a field goal for like in the last eight minutes of the game. So the fact that they were able to do that and kind of hang on still, I think that that's sort of a, you know, a big, you know, victory in of itself. But, look, I mean, this, this is a game to really mean too much. I mean, like, like, you know, Nash said, look, he's been through this. He knows. Like, you don't want to show all your cards, you know, in one sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll probably end up playing in it for the, you know, in the conference finals anyway. So, I'm not too, you know, Nets fans shouldn't be too worried, and neither should the Nets players themselves. Look, half those guys didn't play. So, I'm not too worried. But, look, I think for Embiid, for I think, you know, look, you've got the confidence now. And also, too, you're kind of like in the driver's seats, you know, for mm-hmm. – For MVP, now that you're back, you're back healthy, and I think he might look. I think he probably is sort of cementing himself as the front runner for for MVP. I think.
0: And before we move on to give you some of the highlighted games for this upcoming weekend, uh, the LA Clippers, as I mentioned a few moments ago, they defeated the Indiana Pacers on Tuesday. Uh, They set all their starters for the following night in Detroit and they beat the Pistons by two points thanks to uh, Reggie Jackson, the former Piston, hitting the mm-hmm. last shot to win it 100-98. to 98. Of course, uh, by the time this recording is released, they were already able to play their game against the uh, 76ers, and we'll review that game in our next episode. Uh, Lakina, the Clippers, I like the way they're playing right now. Uh, do I trust them come playoff time? I'm still on the fence. Okay. And Paul George has been stepping up. Kawhi is always there. But Paul, for Paul George, even though he's playing good right now, I have a bigger question mark with him, especially uh, outside of his first couple of years with the Indiana Pacers. He hasn't shown up in the playoffs. I'll give him a pass in 2018 he was with the OKC Thunder, and he was dealing with the shoulder injuries, okay. But outside of that, he hasn't shown up in the playoffs. We talked about what he did last year in the bubble, and I know you said he was going through some – personal stuff. With that aside, uh, this should be a redemption year for Mr. George when the playoffs start. We haven't heard any controversies coming out of that team, coming out of that locker room this year. You had to give Tyron Lude, their new head coach, some credit, okay? But it's all about the playoffs for them. Even though they're playing good right now, it's all about the playoffs for them. Can they finally make it up with the Lakers being down right now, even though LeBron James and Anthony Davis are due back in a couple, two, three weeks? Can the Clippers finally take advantage, especially now given the injury to the uh, Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray tore his ACL on Monday in an ugly injury at Golden State. We wish him the best. I know he's going to miss some of next year as well. Yeah. But uh, uh, could this could the Clippers finally take advantage of this potential open door?
1: I I think they can. I, I think, look, if you look at the standings right now, as of this recording and the, the number three seed and with Denver mm-hmm. now – You know, you got to think they're going to be, they're going to have some issues as soon as, especially when they start playing tougher teams. Now all the, all the, all all the owners will be on Jokic to kind of like sort of pick up the slack for both of them. And I, and I think, Uh and I think, look, like Denver, look, I had Denver as kind of like a sleeper to win the championship, especially after what happened (laughs) in the bubble, you know, they, they gave the Lakers all they could handle. Mm-hmm. But but again, not having Murray there to kind of like be that facilitator to kind of take the take the pressure off Jokic. Now that now all the pressure is now going to be on Jokic, and look, it's going to yeah. be just see how long they can keep it up. I don't yeah. think you they, know. I don't think they'll be able to. You know, especially look, they got a pretty like light schedule. They did win their first game against Miami. You know, mm-hmm. but but again, a couple of days uh, on Wednesday, their first game without. Murray, but again, as it gets to the season, you got to wonder: Will not having him there, will that kind of like, you know, be sort of the thing that kind of like puts the nail in the Nuggets' coffin for their postseason? You know, go advancing the postseason at the very least. So I don't know. I I mean, look, we'll see. I think look, the Lakers once they get AD and once they well Anthony Davis and once they get LeBron back, yeah, they're going to try to you know get back in that top half of the. Of uh, the, uh, the Western Conference, the Portland they're still having their they're having their struggles. We'll see if maybe Dallas can make a move, or maybe the Grizzlies mm-hmm. might make a move. I mean, look, the Warriors have been playing well lately too. Also, you know, props to um, congrats to Steph Steph Curry who passes Will Chamberlain in the um scoring list for that franchise. He's been playing very well. The team's been playing very well. You know, a couple of days ago, the you know he became the wars the Warriors' leading scorer. He's the fourth player to lead the franchise in scoring assists and three points made so <laughs> just 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 imagine what he's been able to do even with everything that's going on so they might make a move so look i think the western conference at that bottom half of the western conference is right there for kind of like positioning yourself to be away from that play playing games
0: yeah you know i've been on the jamal murray train for the last two or three years lakina so that injury was very devastating as we said before we wish him the best on the on the speedy recovery they're gonna say picked up eric gordon huh Oh yeah, that, that I'm, not was, say, I'm not saying he's he's no Jamal Murray. He's not, but it gives him a, uh, it gives Denver an extra body, and he's gonna have to be that second fiddle to uh, Nikolai Jokic. Well, and other looked, uh, supporting are got to step up as well. Paul Millsap, where are you?
1: Yeah, look, he look he was a big yeah, he was a big reason reason why they they, they won that game against the Heat a couple of days ago. So he was a big reason why. Like, mm-hmm. Michael, look, Michael look Porter Jr. You got that he'll probably have to step up too.
0: Him too. Yep.
1: And also to Monte Morris. So look, I think that, look, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, they, they've got the, 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 Denver's got the depth to kind of like help, you know, sort of, you know, they don't have to worry about Jamal Murray, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the fact that as they get into the playoffs, we saw what happened mm-hmm. last year, you know, Murray had that great performance, you know, Jokic did what he needed to do, but the, a lot of those yep. supporting casts, you know, just didn't, they didn't show up those last couple of games. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, we will see. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with LaQuina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. That's me. As we talk about the National Basketball Association, quickly, LaQuina, let's run through some of these games that people should pay attention to for this weekend. If you listen to us on our podcast platform today is Saturday, so. Running down the schedule for the key games for today at 3.30 p.m. Chicago time on ESPN the Utah Jazz taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. At 7 o'clock, we'll have the Cavaliers taking on the Bulls from the United Center. Of course, the headlight game on ABC at 7.30 p.m. will be the to State Warriors visiting the Boston Celtics. The Warriors at 500, Lakina. Uh, they're looking forward to making the play, as I said, if the Warriors should stay healthy, i.e. Draymond Green, i.e. Steph Curry, they'll be part of the play-in tournament. Boston coming off their West Coast road trip. This will be their first home game uh, coming off their successful road trip. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a good game. Hopefully it is. Uh, we'll, we'll see um, we'll, we'll see which, uh, which, which one of these two teams wants it the best. It's an important game for both teams.
1: Oh, this is this confidence purpose that they also positioning to playoff positioning. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be a big part. Cause like I said before, I mean, look, Boston, they've been, they've been sort of like Neander. They've been, you know, getting good lately. Look, I think Golden State was trying to get out of that, you know, ninth spot where the playing area is. So they're going to try and probably position themselves there. So this is about playoff position at this point between these two teams. And it should be, this well, it should be a fun one over in Boston. Another, you know, after that game starts at eight o'clock Chicago time, we got Memphis and Milwaukee. John, They're on the
0: back-to-back uh, schedule, talking about Memphis.
1: Yep, ja, yeah, yeah, Ja versus Giannis. Giannis <laughs> is back now too. Come back from injury, so we'll see how he looks. Also, San Antonio in the nightcap, so I'll be watching that game via my computer.
0: Yeah, there we go.
1: My <laughs> laptop, or a oh, laptop as a case maybe. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday games um indiana atlanta that should be an interesting one too also the first the first game of the doubleheader on sunday You got new orleans in new york you got, you know zion on ESPN. Ju- uh, espn you know in new york you got new Orleans versus the knicks i mean that should be a fun one there you got um zion versus julius Randle. that should be a fun one there and look 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 how you know how zion's been playing i mean he's been looking mm-hmm. really good i know he had some injury issues a couple of weeks ago he started kind of getting back into the Back into the groove. Also, the second double doubleheader: Brooklyn and the final on uh, Tech Irs Miami. That should be a fun one, and we'll see how <laughs> many. we'll look, we'll see how many of those guys actually play for Brooklyn, because you know, of course, yeah. you know, you're seeing some various guys take you know breaks and such.
0: Yeah, speaking of that first game on ESPN for Sunday, uh, I did watch some of this game via my computer. The Knicks and the Pelicans played on Wednesday down in the Bayou, and the Knicks had a little bit more than the Pelicans did, so this revenge will be on their minds for uh, the Pelicans as they're going to MSG.
1: Yes. Sir, um, the NBA first game, the NBA TV doubleheader. Look, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna upset the Mavs, but look, I mean, this, you know, Sacramento and Dallas. They look, Sacramento's a mm-hmm. given team's especially Dallas. So we adjust yeah. to see what what happens in that game. Also, the second half of that doubleheader on NBA TV. Um, you know, look, Minnesota. I mean, you know, look, I think that they're sort of uh, everything going up in Minnesota. I think they want to kind of get away from that, so they play the Clippers. That should be an interesting one there in Los Angeles.
0: All right, let's head over to Monday's action, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. The Chicago Bulls will travel to Boston to take on the Celtics. At, at the same time, the Warriors will take on the Philadelphia 76ers on ESPN. Steph Curry will face off against Joel Embiid. Uh, the Warriors uh, are starting their East Coast road trip. Philadelphia has been on a roll. You know, once again, more. this game is more important for the Warriors than it is for the Sixers.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think, like I said, this is for playoff positioning. So, look, Philly is at the top right Mm -hmm. now. I don't – they look, I know the Nets are sort of, like, right there behind them, but they can – I don't want to say they can afford to lose, but, again, this is more important, Mm -hmm. like you said, to the Warriors and to the Sixers.
0: Now, this game should have been on ESPN. At 7 o'clock, we'll have the Phoenix Suns traveling to Wisconsin to take on the Milwaukee Bucks. This one I'm going to watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that should be a that should be a lot of fun. Devin Booker versus Giannis. That should be a fun one. I think the team look. I think those two teams are sort of like you know they got the number both for two C's right now in their respective conferences. I am surprised that they did not. Well, we're well, welcome to three C right now as of right now. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that they this ESPN didn't get this game. Cause I think this game would probably be better than you know go to state and Philly. But you know, again, look, I don't I don't make the, I don't pick the games. I don't make the schedule, so you know. <laughs> whatever <laughs> but uh, look that the second half that doubleheader utah versus lakers hopefully you know andre Drummond will be able to play and look i mean this should be interesting right i mean look i think that the lakers have been kind of like right there like near the you know near like that top half they're a fifth seed as of right now and look i think hopefully now that you know hopefully you'll have ad back all, oh anthony davis like i should say you got another AD and andre Drum, but yeah you know, hopefully when you know anthony davis is back and also when lebron's back hopefully that we can kind of get you know, get to that, you know, get via at full strength now just in time to sort of like for that playoff push.
0: And at 8 o'clock on Monday, you'll have the Memphis Grizzlies continuing their road trip at Denver. Of course, a, a big game for both of these teams. The Grizzlies are still trying to uh, play their way into the playing tournament. Denver is trying to establish a rotation and, and trying to see who can step up in the place of the now injured Jamal Murray. And now let's head over to Tuesday's action, Likina. Uh We have the Charlotte Hornets taking on the New York Knicks at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time from Madison Square Garden. The first game of the TNT doubleheader at the same time is the Brooklyn Nets traveling to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans.
1: That should be a fun one. Again, we'll see how many of the Nets – how many of the Nets players will actually be available for that game. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for injuries and whatnot. But also, I'm looking forward to that second half of that doubleheader out west out in Portland. The Clippers and the, and the Blazers, I mean, look, I think the Blazers need to try of – look, they need to get it mm-hmm. together because, you know, they're going to – they're going to be – people are going to be pulling away for them quick. So, I think Portland needs to kind of mm-hmm. like – they're, the, they're the 60 right now, and I think that they want to try and move up and take advantage of some of the injury issues that the teams ahead of them are having – you need to be more consistent. They need to be
0: more mm. consistent, I should say. Yep. And that's your um, games to look forward to for this weekend in the National Basketball Association. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. We have a couple more topics to get to before we get out of here, Lakina. Of course, we'll get back to baseball just for a hot second. Of course, uh, this weekend, uh, the baseball celebrated the anniversary of Jack, the late Jackie Robson, of his first game back in 1947. Of course, every team in the major leagues uh, wore number 42 in Thursday's action and in Friday's action as well. Lakeena, I've been uh, listening to quotes and reading commentary via social media and articles online. I I know that we can come at this from this perspective, and we're going to try to do this to have a productive conversation. I don't want to take too much time on it, but I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. We hear this every Mm -hmm. year. We hear this every year, and I'll ask it here. Uh, Would Jackie Robinson be proud of the amount of Black American players playing today in Major League Baseball? Because at one time, baseball was America's pastime, including in the the black community here in America. Of course, I don't want to blame hip hop. I don't want to blame Michael Jordan, but let's be honest here. Since basketball has been uh, took over in the late 70s into the 80s and 90s and whatnot, basketball is the number one sport followed by football in this country, especially in the black community. And I know uh, Major League Baseball has tried their best to uh, start programs to encourage uh, black American kids to get into baseball. I know they said the RBI program out there And I know they have Ken Griffey Jr., a Hall of Famer, who's working in the front office to try to uh, uh, come up with better programs and to encourage kids to play baseball as well. We saw what the Jackie Robinson um, team did a few years ago before that controversy here in Chicago in the Little League World Series back in 2014. Lakina, would Jackie Robinson, if he was alive today, be proud of the progress that's been made or lack thereof uh, due to the lack of black American players in baseball?
1: i don't think i don't I don't think he would be i think look i i actually saw a discussion with the you know, a couple of our our favorites on fans' side Eddie O. Uh, our buddy mark Carmen, you know mark grody you know friend of the show from Seven school also veteran sports cast we has a podcast now george offerman we got to get him on at, at some point said he's terrific but um yes they 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 they, they this is about this on thursday and, and i think you know they they they're both rights And know look i know these are three white men people are going to make a big deal about that but look they actually made some really good points the fact that i don't think Look, like I think that you know, do people need to hear like the history of Jackie Robinson and what he went through, you know, to get to the point where he, you know, to be able to break the color barrier? But also, too, I think people need to raise awareness about getting more black players to play baseball. I mean, look, we saw, look, if you go to, you know, you look at any of the college baseball games, you know, it's great to see that. You know, you got more and more black players playing in mm-hmm. some of those colleges, and but then you know there was a point where the HBCUs, you know, they have, they had to recruit white and Hispanic players to fill out their rosters. So, mm-hmm. so I think people forget about that. So I think what needs to be done here is I think that, look, folks just need to. I think that I think more needs to be done to kind of help. You know, get 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 more players there, like you said. I know what Ken Griffey Jr. did, but maybe get maybe get somebody mm-hmm. like Curtis Granderson to kind of help out, a Tory Hunter, or you know maybe guys that you know you know people that guys that people know to kind of say, go to these inner cities, you know, to say, look, baseball's very expensive. I mean, you know, a bat, a ball, a glove, but they gotta find some place to play, and then you gotta you know recruit some of the some of the some of the inner city high schools you know a lot of them they have baseball fields but again a lot of these recruits don't want to don't want to get to them so it'll be it's kind of interesting to see how all of this sort of you know plays out because i think both needs to be addressed i think people need to really see the history of jackie rob and learn about the history of jackie robinson but also Mm -hmm. too people need to see that maybe there needs to be some more of an effort trying to get more more african americans you know the place to play baseball
0: and also too let's Consider this factor as well. Uh, when you get drafted by the National Basketball Association, and uh, you get drafted by the National Football League, you don't get your payday right away if you know what I mean. Lakina. You, yeah. you're on your rookie deals, but you, you, you get some money to live off of if you don't blow it. Okay. In baseball, you had to go to college. You don't have to go to college, but I know some players choose to go to college and/or they go to the minor leagues where, you, unlike college, you will get paid, but, but the, not compared to a, the, a player who makes the league minimum, he gets paid more than your average minor league player. Okay, I think this is also a factor as well. But at the same time, you got to have a love for the game. If you stay consistent within your craft, uh, you'll finally get called up to the major leagues. You'll finally get your payday. But it takes a little bit longer to get paid in major league baseball, unlike the other uh, two sports that I mentioned.
1: Unless you're like a very special player, unless you're really good at, good really mm-hmm. good at your position, Look, Ed Howard, who was a star on that Jackie Robinson West team, he's now with the Cubs organization. We all mm-hmm. you know, we, we might be, we might see him in about a year, maybe two years, who knows? But you know, like he he stuck it out and he's become one of you know, a top prospects. So you know, hopefully, you know, wishing all the best to him and maybe maybe having him there, maybe that'll help maybe get more inner city kids, you know, same backgrounds, a lot of these guys, you know, from the inner city to say, look, Hey, I made it and you can make it too. You know, maybe have somebody like Mm -hmm. him. I think, look, I I think that there there's so, I don't think there's really a a wrong answer, but there's not really a right answer. So I think that people just need Mm -hmm. to figure out like what, what to do.
0: And also too, uh, can you reach, if you're major league baseball, can you reach out your advertisement to uh, your market, your game to, uh, especially the uh the younger generation in particular let let's be honest here baseball has been slow to change okay and their market is still old white men 54 and up and i know they've been having rule changes these last couple of years to attract uh the younger audience can you can you tr- start attracting the young black audience to uh perhaps get interested in baseball i'm just asking a question I'm yeah. not acting like I have all the answers because I don't, but but I can mean, they start doing that as well?
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be the thing, right, to get, you know, more and more. And, and, and look, it's unfortunate that the, it has to come to this, that people are kind of wondering, mm-hmm. like, okay, what, what can be done? I think, look, baseball has a young – not forget, like, you know, not just a black, you know, getting more black players to play in the <laughs> sport problem, but they also have a, a ratings problem. You know, the fortune, mm-hmm. the, the average rating of some of the you know, the fans, you know, the people, the viewers that watch baseball has gone up, and and that's not good. It's like fifty, like up, like the late fifties. A guy in his late fifties, that's not good. So mm-hmm. they have a, you know, baseball has a problem all around. I think that look, I think that it needs to be a broader discussion, longer than we have to discuss. But look, I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the start, we had a a couple of good good starting points, you know, maybe have, you know, some prominent black players, you know, be as part of your your initial to try to get more, Black black players, especially, to play the sport. Maybe have maybe have some of the college players, some of the top college players are African American in college baseball. Maybe have them come in and you know talk to young people. Say, look, look, if you want us to stick it out, you can do that. So, but I think also, like you said, there's also patience too. I think some some players you want you want to get paid right away. And look, even the G mm-hmm. League, you, you get paid six figures now. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there is a right answer. But you know, if if you if you have a right answer, please tell me because I, I, I don't. <laughs>
0: Yeah, a couple of shout-outs here real quick before we uh, move on. Uh, Shout-out to Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports Radio's Rob Parker. I know he started a website called MLBBro.com, so they track every black and brown player in Major League Baseball because of the percentages of so low. He actually give the history of the past players and, and, and give uh, updates on the current players as well. So shout-outs to him. Hopefully we can get him on his podcast in the near future. And also, too, uh, this is uh, – Going back to marketing, this is the reason why that, that the White Sox are, assuming they start winning here, they're going to become one of the most popular teams in Major League Baseball is because of Tim Anderson. We talked about it before, Lakina. He may not be the best player on the team, but he has the swagger, and he attracts a lot of young fans. He's attracted me as a fan, and even though I'm 29 on this podcast, but uh, even as a, 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 a fan uh, outside the young demographic, You know, he he attracts me as well because not just a person that just looks like me, but uh, he carries himself in a well professional manner. He hasn't gotten into any trouble. He embraces the challenge of uh, being one of the few black players, black American players in baseball. He wants that responsibility to help that next generation, and he's doing that both on and off the field. We have three uh, black American players in the city of Chicago, two on the Sox, one on the Cubs. Uh, Jason Hayward on the Chicago Cubs currently, and on the Sox, uh, Billy Hamilton is the other one outside of Tim Anderson as well. So uh, it, you want to say it's approving, but it's, it's still a slow process.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that look like, down the line, I think we'll have, we'll figure it out. But like I said, it's not like, will we'll save some of the other stuff for another discussion. Cause mm-hmm. I think like, this is, this is, I think, I don't think there's really a right answer here, but I don't think there's a wrong answer either. So I don't look, like, I don't have all the answers. So I think let's, let's, you know, let's hopefully, you know, look, I think that baseball needs to figure out what can they do not just for, you know, black players, but also there you go to get younger, more younger players to play
0: yep we shall see like, you know, let us end the show on a good note there's a couple of documentaries that will be be debuting soon on ESPN perhaps I believe one for sure is next month. ESPN's upcoming WNBA bubble documentary documentary 144 will premiere May 13th. this film will premiere with footage from inside last season's pandemic uh, necessitated a bubble. And of course, you mentioned earlier uh, about the doc- another documentary that's coming up, and I believe in a couple of weeks about American Gladiators. I remember watching that show, Lakina, American Gladiators. I thought it was fake for a minute, but I started to get hooked a little bit thanks to my cousins. Mm-hmm. It wasn't I wasn't a super fan, but I respected what they did. And there's an, a Chicago connection to this now. I know his health is is a little shaky, but former Chicago sports anchor and former Chicago Bears running back Mike Adamly. he was one of the commentators for um, uh, the American Gladiators. I remember watching that every weekend in the 90s on, uh, is now my 50 Chicago, but the old WPWR-TV mm-hmm. uh, during the weekends, especially on Saturdays. But I thought it was fake at first, but the, those, uh, those were athletes. They really competed.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, that was sort of like my right ritual on Saturdays. I mean, after the cartoons yep. go off, after like you know all the weekend specials and stuff like that go off. I mean, the
0: Soul Train, <laughs> yeah,
1: the Soul Train too. So you know, the American Gladiators was next, and and look, I yep. think, look, I think that that was it was a different kind of show. I mean, yes, I'm sure a lot of people thought thought it was fake. You know, back in the mm-hmm. back in the days, sort or of like because wrestling, people were starting to figure out that wrestling was you know yep. fake. A lot mm-hmm. of people thought that American Gladiators was fake, but and no, it wasn't. Like though. I said, it
0: was one of them. I was one of them in the beginning. But,
1: but, but yeah, but, yeah, in the beginning, but, yeah, look, the, 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 these are, you know, look, a lot of those guys are still around, you know, in, in various forms. I know, like, um, um, you know, that they're, like, some, some are actually acting now, you know, having a legitimate acting career. So, I, I'm, I'm, a, look, I, I think that, look, this is going to be, this is going to be a good docu-series. This will bring back some memories. Um, I think uh, Larry Zonka was also a host on the show. Sadly, Todd Christian, Christian, who was another host, you know, sadly uh, passed away a few years back. but. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, look, I'm sure they'll have interviews with a lot of the gladiators. I'm hoping that it, it comes on ESPN, not on ESPN Plus. Because I think, look, I think that, you know, they, they, tried, they tried to bring the show back a few years ago. It didn't, with uh, Hulk Hogan and Leila Lee. it didn't work, so. But, I forgot about that. Yeah, it didn't work. But, but you know, but look, I think that, you know, for what it was, I think it kind of like epitomized, you know, television and, and competition reality shows in that sense, you know, to get to a whole nother level, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that looks. I mean, you know, getting a chance to sort of, you know, catch up with some of the gladiators and such, you know, they, they actually have female gladiators too, which was unheard of back then. They yeah, kind of like broke yeah. that mold. So, you know, it, it's, it's. Uh.
0: Yeah. One more quick story before we get up out of here for this week. Uh, the, the spring football league will premiere on Fox and along with FS1 and FS2. Uh, This is from my good friends at Awful Announcing. Football fans looking forward to an on-field fix in May and June. Can watch some games from the Spring League, Developmental League, returning for a fifth season. The the 2021 season is expanding from a four-week to a six-week schedule, beginning on May 6th with a doubleheader on FS1. And for the first time, the Spring Football League games will be shown on broadcast television with six regular season matchups and three league championship games. In the league's championship game scheduled to be on Fox. Each of the Fox telecasts will air on Saturday afternoons. FS1 and FS2 will televise the other 18 games in primetime on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Broadcast teams and production information will be announced soon. Additionally, all spring league games can be viewed on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. And the league is also increasing its number of teams from 6 to 8, adding – Uh, A couple of the teams in the league will divide those eight clubs between two central hubs in Indianapolis and Houston. Lakina, are you interested in this? Is it too much football overload? Or are you just looking forward to NFL and college football?
1: I mean, you can never have too much football, but I think this is sort of a lead, you know, to kind of get you know keep guys in shape. So, I mean, look, it, 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 it's, it's look, it's good to have a nice alternative if, if you're not really a big a big baseball person mm-hmm. and you want to you know kind of stick with you know if you're rooting for football, it, it's fine. I mean we'll see how the ratings are, but it'll be interesting isn't the
0: XFL supposed to be coming back next year with the that, rock that, if I'm yeah, not mistaken.
1: Yeah, suppose at so least. Oh we'll we'll see what happens with that also. So, yeah. So yeah, that's sure look look, I mean, I might check it out. I'm not I'm not gonna be like a like a huge, huge fan of it. But look, I mean for those who you know who are gonna want their football fix, we they'll we'll be we'll see.
0: Yeah, like I said before, it's not going to outlast the NFL. We saw with that AAF League a couple of years ago, they tried to start, they shut that thing, that thing down due to financial issues a couple of years ago. And of course, we all know the history of the XFL, both what happened last year and, of course, what happened 20-plus years ago. Uh, so, like I said, I'll probably check it out, but <clears throat> if it's boring, I'll turn or just use it as a nap.
1: <laughs> Good to napping. Also, too, um... Peyton Manning, you know, is going to be you know bringing back something you know from way back in the day, the College Bowl. You know, for those who don't know what that is, it's not 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 like college football or anything like that. It's like a, this is an academic type bowl. Um, you know, this is going to, it's going to be on NBC in June. Um, it'll have twelve selected schools will compete in the bracketed tournament at, uh, over four rounds. Will team will fly for the most points. They'll, the team with the most points will get scholarships. Schools from Um, I thought I saw the list here. Oh, uh, Minnesota, Auburn, Alabama, Columbia, Michigan, Minnesota, Ole Miss, Morehouse, Tennessee, USC, UCLA, Virginia, and Xavier University of Louisiana. So – Peyton Manning, who people forget, was also a two, a three-time I should say, academic All-American. So he'll be hosting mm-hmm. that series. And this is of course, you know, in remake of the you know the College Bowl series that happened back way back in the '60s. There actually has those are way back in actually also in the '80s too, where Pat Sajak, you know, a pre Will Forge, he actually a Will Fortune at the same time at the time. You know, this mm-hmm. is, this lasted from like in the '60s, like early, early '80s. So and you know, Pat Sajak was the most recent host of that show. So. Bring it back old, you know, and Alan Ludden hosted, the you know, the original version. So from back mm-hmm. in the day, it was, back then it was, a, it was a GE College Bowl. So a little history there, lesson for, for you folks.
0: Real quick, before you wrap up, uh, we just brought up Soul Train a moment ago. Remember that, uh, unfortunately, this show doesn't exist anymore. For those of you in Chicago and across the country that had WGN on your cable system, remember every Saturday in February, I believe it came, it came on, I think, right after Soul Train. Know Remember heritage. Know Your Heritage?
1: Yes, yes, I, I used do. to watch
0: that show, and I know during my teenage years, my mother forced me to watch that show. <laughs> I'm not saying that show wasn't needed then, but where is that show?
1: That's a good question, I
0: think. you. Think- I know I know it was on Channel 7 locally here in Chicago uh-huh. for a short time, I believe, the ABC affiliate. I think NBC5 may have shown in a couple years, but I know uh, the majority of the time it was on Channel 9, WGN-TV. Mm-hmm. We need that show now more than ever. I'm all all for learning about everybody else's culture. Of course, it makes you smarter and all that. But where is that show? I remember watching that show when I was in high school and late grade school years for me.
1: Yeah, if you remember, too, back in the later seasons, they started adding more Hispanic history, Asian-American history. So I think it kind of expanded past African-American history. So, yeah, I think, look, this is, mm-hmm. you know, I think that a show that is needed now, especially that's why I think that's why they bring on college, you know, this this, this version of College Bowl, because mm-hmm. you got two HBCU schools, which is, of course, in Morehouse and Xavier of Louisiana, which is in New Orleans, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, look, this is very cool. Great opportunity for these, you know, these young people to kind of. show, look, I mean, these these young kids are pretty smart. And I think, look, we know how much Peyton Manning loves competition. So, look, yeah, is, his alma mater is going to be participating. So, of course, he's not going to you know play fair. obviously, but uh, this should be very, <laughs> look, this is going to be very interesting to see how how he does. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people going to be lobbying for him to be the new host of Jeopardy.
0: <laughs> yeah, we shall we shall see about that. Uh, they'll do it for this uh, latest weekend edition of Second City Sports. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D eight zero. S-I-D-K-I-D eight zero.
1: You follow me at Kevin McGee on the Twitter and at Keena, going to McGee on the IG.
0: You can catch uh, this episode and all episodes of Second City Sports first right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media every Monday and every Friday. Once again, you can catch Second City Sports first on YouTube right here at War Media on YouTube every Monday and Friday. Our podcast schedule never changes still on Tuesdays and Saturdays on War on Anchor. That's every Tuesday and every Saturday on war on anchor that's w-a-r-r on anchor that kicks you over to spotify you, uh, spotify itunes soundcloud stitcher google play and that iheart radio app you can go to our website weareregalradio.com that's w-e-a-r-e-r-e-g-a-l radio.com and you can follow us on all social media platforms that's facebook twitter and instagram at war media once again at w-a-r-r media that's facebook twitter and instagram
1: like share subscribe and tell your friends
0: and thank you very much in advance for your support.
1: For Sid, I'm Lakina. Be go. You know, stay warm out there because it's gonna get a little cooler. And mm-hmm. also too, look, be good to each other. I know people are getting vaccinated, but you know, let, let's look, we're not, we're not, we're not there yet, folks. We're we're kinda in the home stretch, but look, get your look, if you want to get your vaccines, get it. If not, you know, wash your hands, keep your mask on, mm-hmm. and keep your distance and just you know, we're almost there, folks. But you know, look stay safe out there too, Chicago and and beyond.
0: In uh, the programming, though, we'll have a special episode of Second City Sports featuring good friend of the show, Miss Janice Scurrio, who, who covers uh, baseball for NBC Sports, and she's a co-host of a White Sox podcast. She'll be on, She's she was already on with us discussing Carlos Rodon's uh, no hitter from this past Wednesday. So check that out. We had a great conversation with her. That's once again right here on YouTube at War Media and on the podcast platform at War on Anchor.
1: Yeah, so look out for that. Coming up in a couple of next, you know, day, maybe two days. So once again, for said, I'm fact. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you next week.
0: Till next time, holla. Along with LaKeon McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brown. That's me. Welcome to Second City Sports as we bring on a special guest to talk about Carlos Rodon's no hitter from this past wednesday april 14th joining us here oh, as a, fr- it's a she's a friend of the program she's the co-host of the north side Sox podcast and she covers baseball for nbc sports she's the one the only janice scurrio janice welcome to the show how are you
2: thank you so much sydney i'm very well how are you
0: we're doing just fine, doing just fine. Uh, Carlos Rodon uh, pitched his first career no-hitter on Wednesday against the Cleveland Indians part of a 8-nothing uh, shout out victory. Of course, he was denied a, a, a perfect game. Thanks to Roberto uh, Perez. We'll get into all the nuances of that game in, in just a second, but I just want to get your initial thoughts on the no hitter as a TV voice uh, Sox TV voice, Jason Panetti perfectly put it as all that Carlos Rodon went through over the past couple of years. What was your initial thoughts about Wednesday's performance? Uh,
2: just for starters, absolutely incredible. Uh, I admit, uh, I'm, I'm just going to admit this right off the bat, that uh, when Radon was brought back after being non-tendered, I wasn't the biggest fan uh, of the move. I thought that Radon would have better success with another organization uh, who'd be willing to take on a reclamation project. Uh, that's honestly disrespectful to call him a reclamation project. Uh, he certainly had the stuff all along. He's just been kind of, you know, plagued with these injuries. And uh, one interesting stat that I found was, uh, so uh, Carlos Rodon had Tommy John surgery on May 15th, 2019. He's the first Major League Baseball pitcher to ever throw a no-hitter within two years of having Tommy John surgery. Uh, And as you all remember, uh, last year in uh, the uh, wildcard series against the Oakland Athletics, uh, he was put in that horrible Game 3 situation and wasn't able to give us one lousy out. Uh, And for him to just kind of bounce back uh, and not only throw a no hitter, but I think the most most fascinating thing about his performance was how he pitched. Uh, So he kept his pitch count low. He was pitching to contact the entire time. A couple of my friends pointed out as we were tweeting about the game uh, that uh, he wasn't really getting lots of whiffs. Uh, so his slider mm-hmm. is the pitch is, uh, that that kind of uh, lures those swings and misses uh, and early he was very change up uh, reliant mm-hmm. uh, very kind of leaning on that change up in order to give the slider a little bit more breathing room. Uh, but other than that, uh, this performance really showed uh, that you really don't need to be a strikeout pitcher in order to uh, be successful. I mean, that, that's definitely uh, a good tenant to live by right there. Uh, but yeah. other than that, um, yeah, uh, just the way he did it. One of my friends uh, made some early Mark Burley comparisons, uh, which I thought was uh, pretty fascinating too. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, yeah, uh, just just absolutely –
1: Jazz, um, uh, how do you think this is going to do confidence wise for him because of course we all we all remember having last year you know maybe you know maybe give you a middle leaf guy maybe not a starter but then you know La Russa's I thought well we'll give I'll give you a chance as a starter so how do you think this performance will make him you know for you know, will make him feel like confidence wise because I think you know that it's it's going to be very interesting to see how he does the rest of the way with this.
2: I think so too, and to kind of see this kind of performance uh, from a back-end starter uh, in general, just like taking a step back for a moment, is really great to see. Uh, so uh, he was also uh, pretty successful in his first start of the year too. Um, looking back at last year, I just don't think operating out of the swingman role was really um, his true his true role. Uh, I think he's a lot happier uh, starting, uh, so uh, I think that definitely factors in too, uh, so uh, Wherever he's happiest is probably where he he performs best. Uh, So in the future, uh, yeah, I just wanna keep seeing all these dominant outings from him and hopefully uh, someone like Dylan Cease follows through.
0: Yeah, just to piggyback off your last point, Jens. before I move on to my next question. Of course, now ex-manager Ricky Renteria put him in that situation. Obviously, high-ironic against the Indians last year in that basis load situation. It turns out that the Sox lost the game. It turns out that game cost them the division title. But uh, I'm with uh, you. We'll see how How long can he stay in that fifth spot rotation with Michael Kumpag and possibly Garrett Crochet coming? We'll get to those two guys later. But back to my next question. The last time we had you on was last season. We previewed the Cubs-Sox series. Jose Abreu had a series of the lifetime, which led him to the 2020 AL MVP. He had, in my opinion, the play of the game on Wednesday, diving into first base. I thought, as a fan watch, I thought he tore his knee or he, he messed up his foot or his ankle or something. But uh, me and Lakeena were talking earlier. All those players out there knew the situation. And given the White Sox defense problems, which we'll definitely dive into here in the, in the, going in his interview, but there was one heck of a play by Jose Abreu. Uh, Talk to us about that play. After I saw that play as a fan, I said, Carlos Rodon's got this. Uh, There there was no denying him now. Talk about that play by Abreu in the ninth inning.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I was uh, talking to a friend about this earlier, is that in every no hitter performance, there are at least one or two of these just amazing Mm -hmm. defensive plays uh, throughout the game uh, that that just completely just seal the deal. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Jose Abreu uh, was definitely, uh, yeah, he, he had his Dwayne Wise moment. Uh, just yeah. to kind of see his, mm-hmm. his ankle kind of go into the bag. I, I, I it made my, it gave me some palpitations for a little bit, uh, just mainly yeah. because that's a really yeah. easy way to injure yourself. Uh, and, uh, we don't need that. We, we definitely do not need the rating and M- MVP, um, injured at all, mm-hmm. uh, but as, as you, you definitely saw the, aggress- the aggressiveness of that slide, I can't remember the name of the player uh, who slid into into first. But I just remember his hair. He had like this mass amount of hair, just like. Going. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, I just I just remember him like like I think they slowed it down. He's like, what? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember that. that. I, I remember the call, and I remember his reaction. But I can't remember his name to save my life. Is it Naylor? Naylor, oh my God! I, I think something like that. Anyway, I, I won't dwell on that. Uh, but to kind of see that reaction from the opposing uh, player, and also to uh, just to kind of see Jose Abreu uh, like like literally extend his body. Um, yeah, I, I think he he might have made a couple of plays similar to that, where he's definitely kind of just doing this like this this leg contortion, where he he's just kind of falling back and making sure that his <laughs> leg is at least like planted on the bag. Uh, so. Yeah, the, yeah, that play was absolutely heart-stopping. Uh so the other one that I want to point out is a uh, Leori Garcia stop. Uh so uh, a line drive uh, basically came back to Leori. Uh, he was able to kind of uh, th- to reel it in and then uh throw a uh, throw to f- uh, first. So I think that was kind of the play that's been uh not talked enough about yeah. or at least it, it hasn't been discussed as much as a Braves play uh for sure. Uh but one other thing that I want to point out is that uh the in, uh, or Cleveland was only able to make hard contact with Radon, like maybe three or four times.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so I think the hardest hit ball by uh, the Cleveland uh, lineup might've been at around 110 miles an hour. And it was certainly, I think I- either a line drive or a flyout. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that also kind of goes to show you uh, how Radon was so uh, just uh, effective in just in- inducing all of that soft contact.
1: Now, now, Janice, let's talk, Let's go. You know, switch gears here and talk about you know, I mean, Mercedes for a second. I think oh, he just. Yeah. I think he just got another hit. I think. I think he just got another hit. Even though. You
0: know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mercedes. You know, get get that get that man in Mercedes. My goodness, play around with the, the last name. But how long do you think he can keep this up? Because he he's been pretty much unstoppable and in, in, at the plate right now.
2: Oh my goodness! Uh, so uh, I am on the Yermine Mercedes hype train. Uh, my Twitter uh, name is the literally the Yermine Mercedes hype account. Yeah. Like I, I cannot <laughs> say enough great things about Your mean. Uh I was a huge proponent of him making the twenty six man roster last year. Uh, But of course, uh, the discourse that was going around at the time was that uh, there's really no space for him. The White Sox at the time had just signed Edwin Encarnacion uh, to uh, like a a some million dollar deal, so they definitely were not going to waste that by uh, promoting a uh, a 27 year old rookie. Uh, I mean, uh, hindsight is 2020, of course, but to finally see him come up and offer this amount of production is absolutely incredible, and. a lot of people, especially in the first week, were like, "Like, is is this a fluke? Is this absolutely real?" Um, and like, no, it's not a fluke. It is absolutely real. He's a career three hundred plus hitter th- throughout the, the minors. He's been able to just mash his entire career. Whether it's a high A ball, uh, trying to think of his career with the Orioles, um, he's been able to hit in independent leagues. Uh, I follow him on Instagram, and so he was playing uh, in an indie league. Uh, I believe in the Dominican Republic and he was just like just mashing every night. So, I mean, I, I don't speak Spanish, but just from like, what, I, like hearing him describe like, like what, like what he's doing and what he's hitting. I was just like, this guy's going to be so good this upcoming season. I hope he makes the team. If he doesn't make the team, I'm going to be really upset. Uh, and so, yeah, he made the team and look where we are now. Uh, so he's like the first player in modern history to go eight for eight in his first in, like, start of the season which is absolutely incredible Uh, and also he's got just some ridiculous stats going on too Um, not only can he hit but he also can get on base Um, a lot of me because I write in the fantasy baseball world a lot of people are very concerned about things like on base percentage and I believe his on base percentage right now I'm just going to guess off the top of my head is like around 550 Uh, I I could be wrong, but it's it's around that, uh, around that neighborhood. Uh, So 550 is like, that's no on-base percentage to sneeze at. Like, that's really good. So I I think he's, I think he's legit. Like, he is the real deal. And just to kind of see how he performs too, the way he changes his approach during the count. So if you notice, especially on two strikes, he'll like maybe follow the first two pitches off. And then on two strikes, uh, he, he shortens his swing. It's, it's a definitely a, a much more different ap- approach. The swing is, is a lot cleaner. It's a lot more simple. Uh, and to kind of quote, uh, his, his words, exactly. Uh, a lot of people have asked him before, like, you're mean, how, how, how are you doing this? Like, like how, how is this possible? And so your mean Mercedes himself has, has said, like, I try not to do too much. And, and I think that is something that can be applied just to life in general, just, just, you know, just try not to do too much and you will be successful so uh yeah i i just can't say enough about your mean mercedes i I think he's fantastic
0: friend of the show miss janice scurrio of NBC sports edge who covers baseball for that site joins us here on second city sports along with lakina mcgee which is she i am cindy brown that's me Janice, continuing to break down Carlos Rodon's uh, no-hitter performance before we move on. Zach Collins, after the game was asked, has he been in a situation where he's caught a no-hitter? He said no. He only went to stay last year, of course, with Lucas Giolito. Of course, we talked before we started recording that you were there in attendance uh, of course, there was no fans allowed last year. Of course, there were fans allowed this year. That, that made me happy. Personally, I couldn't be there, but that's a personal issue. I'll leave that aside. Uh, talk to to us about Zach Collins' performance behind the plate. I thought he called the well of a game.
2: I think so, too. Uh, and so, uh, strangely enough, uh, Zach Collins isn't necessarily known for his defensive prowess behind the plate mm-hmm. or his framing. Uh, so I think this was like very interesting to see. Uh, and of course, too, just kind of knowing the pitcher catcher dynamics, like you definitely need to know your pitcher well in order to call a good game. Uh, so uh, whatever uh, work Zach Collins has been doing, I'm sure he's been just doing his homework, uh, studying up on not just Radon, but I'm sure the entire uh, rotation uh, in, in case uh, Yasmani Grandal, knock on wood, uh, gets hurt. Uh, he's going to be the one to, that has to catch uh, these guys. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, it was absolutely instrumental. Uh, and it was also really just great to see. Um, again, uh, I- I'm going to be the first to admit that I- I'm not the biggest Zach Collins fan, uh, especially last season. I honestly thought your mean Mercedes could have taken his place, especially in the postseason. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, mm-hmm. He he definitely still just called a really fantastic game, and I I don't think that should be ignored.
1: OK, Janice, um, as, as of this recording, the Sox are under 500. They've been somewhat this slow start. You know, of course, the middle relief pitching has become a, some issues. They've had various defensive issues. So did you expect this team to be a little bit better than they are right now? Yes,
2: uh, that's my short answer. I, I definitely expected this team to be a lot better than they are, uh, but also kind of examining the circumstances with injuries. So uh, Adam Engel, uh, who I'm very high on, uh, is out. Uh, so uh, Eloy, especially. Uh, I know that's a, a sore point of contention for all White Sox fans. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely missing uh, a lot of uh, that run production. Defensively, though, I don't think we're missing much of Eloy defensively, uh, but that's probably a story for another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly, <laughs> think, uh, I think Andrew Vaughn's doing a really great job in left mm-hmm. field. Uh, he was pretty much just dr Learning a new position was just dropped in his lap, uh, so the fact he's been able to kind of flash a little leather in the outfield has been nice to see. I, I think his arm could be a little bit better, uh, but uh, defensively, I think he's a huge upgrade over Alloy. Uh, I- I- I'm not sure if I-, I want Aloy back out in left field, honestly.
1: Thank you. Thank you. No, 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 no,
2: no, no. Yeah, definitely. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> but uh, certainly. Um, Yeah, I I, I was uh, certainly expecting this team to be a little bit better and to think of the first couple of games that were dropped, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, Tony LaRussa is just pretty much, or I, I don't know if that was uh, Rick Renteria with the Tony Larusa mask managing the bullpen. But mm-hmm. I thought a lot of the bullpen moves in the first couple of games were kind of kind of boneheaded. Um, so kind of bringing um, re- bringing Liam Hendricks in uh, when you're down. I think like six runs was it. Yeah. Uh, very, uh, yeah, I was like, why are we bringing in a multi million dollar closer uh, to do mop up duty uh, that that's I, I don't think I would have done that. Uh, but uh, other than that, I think given the circumstances and things that the Sox have had to deal with, um, I, I feel as if there's certainly room to grow, and I think there's room to bounce back as well. I know that the eternal joke is always that 500 is, out, is, is just out of reach for the White Sox, uh, but... Uh, It's only, what, April 16th? And to give you an idea, I think the Royals are still in first place. Uh, So it's certainly too late or not too late. It's it's certainly too early to make any uh, snap judgment calls right now.
0: Same with the Sox bullpen, Janice. Uh, we, we talked about it on the show before, myself and Lakina that Michael Kopech eventually is going to end up in a starting rotation, of course, due to Carlos Rodon's no-hit performance, and assuming that Rodon can stay consistent. Mr. Kopech is going to have to wait his turn just a little bit longer, but in the meantime, in between time, he's been pitching lights out coming out of that bullpen to start the season. Talk to us about that.
2: Oh, goodness. Yeah, Uh, he's been doing really well. Uh, And I think that the expectations for him uh, were high. Uh, So I think, uh, like to follow, uh, it's been really good to kind of uh, see him uh, fall in line there. Uh, So uh, to to do a brief contrast, I know that uh, Kopech and Crochet were kind of meant to be these like high velocity, uh, young hurlers to come out of the Mm -hmm. bullpen. Uh, so Kopech, uh, I'm not concerned about. Uh, I think uh, he might evolve into that swingman role eventually. Um, but Crochet, Crochet I am a little worried about, uh, just mainly because the velo is kind of not where it used to be. Because uh, we, you and I know him uh, from just being able to just throw absolute gas uh, at moment's notice. Uh, but uh, lately he's been getting rocked. Uh, and to... I suppose like give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. He's been put in a lot of extra inning situations with the runner on mm-hmm. second, uh, which I think, uh, is just a complete garbage rule. Uh, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe you two agree yeah. with
0: me,
1: yeah. Uh, but
0: yeah, we both agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, It is a terrible rule. Yeah. We, uh, you'll get no arguments from this quarter Janice, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, but beyond the fact though, uh, it, it, it just seems as if, uh, Crochet isn't missing bats like he used to, uh, and I say like he used to as if he's been in the league for years. Like he he's, he's still like fresh out of college, uh, so again, uh, he's he's definitely going to have some uh, some mix-ups, some flubs, uh, but other than that. Um, I just kind of hope he's not injured. I know uh, late in last season, or not late in last season, uh, in the playoffs, uh, he was removed uh, with a a forearm strain, and everyone was like, oh, no, what if he needs Tommy John again? So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if maybe uh, coaching is just telling him to ramp it down uh, so he doesn't blow his arm out again, uh, or if something is actually wrong. Uh, So I'm kind of hoping it is the, uh, the former rather than the latter.
1: How good can Luis Robert be?
2: Ooh. <laughs> if he starts hitting sliders, I think Luis Robert is going to be finally dangerous. I think so. Um, yeah, I think it goes back and forth a lot. Uh, last season, uh, I, he, he very could have he he very well could have won Rookie of the Year, uh, but again, he went into that like disastrous slump in the 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 latter half of the season. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of pitchers figured him out where essentially like you just uh, throw stuff that moves. Uh, you just th- throw that slider away and he's probably going to chase it. Um, I think one thing uh, that I have seen out of him that I like is that he does uh, exercise patience at the plate sometimes. Uh, and so when, when he takes pitches, he's absolutely great. But of course, too, um, when it comes to those sliders, he has to uh, get better at identifying those.
0: Miss Janice Scurrio of NBC Sports Edge is joining us right here on Second City Sports along with, with Lakina McGee. I am sitting Brown as we talk about the whites, Chicago White Sox baseball. Janice, let's go to the offense. Johan Makata. last year he suffered, uh, he had the COVID-19 virus. He admitted that uh, it slowed him down last year. He didn't have the year that he thought he was going to have. This year, he, uh, even though we're two weeks in, he's off to a slow start, but uh, me personally, without looking at the numbers, I thought that the um, last Sunday's game against Kansas City in this series, uh, this past series against the Cleveland Indians, he's starting to turn around a little bit. He had a, a couple of RBIs in that in the Cleveland series. Talk to us about Johan Makata. What do you expect for him this year? Do you think he's finally starting to turn it around? at the plate.
2: Goodness, goodness. I hope so. I I really hope so. I I was getting worried a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. uh, Moncada actually showed some life. Uh, uh, When was the no-hitter Wednesday? Uh, I I think, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Zach Plesak was uh, definitely uh, not great at all. Uh, (laughs) So it's really good that maybe uh, this might be what Moncada needs to kind of get that confidence back. Uh I hope he isn't uh, streaky. Um he, he did hit a pretty good homer against Brad Keller um mm-hmm. uh, a week ago uh, and and he, and he hit it pretty hard too. So uh yeah, uh admittedly I was pretty worried for a while. Uh definitely looking at his numbers, uh, not impressive. Uh, he's currently batting 191 uh OPS of 573. Mm-hmm. Uh So yeah, kind of stinky uh, at, at just surface level, but yeah, just kind of looking at what he's done. Uh, So he's currently on a two game hit streak. uh, So who knows? Maybe things are finally turning around for him.
0: Yeah. He got to start somewhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, how how about Mick Mandergold? I mean, I know some Sox fans are kind of like, you know, hot and cold with him, you know, how, how good can you think can he be in, in the infield and also too with the bat?
2: Oh, goodness. Uh, I go back and forth on Madrigal, honestly. Uh, So uh, whenever he gets those two strike hits, I'm like, yes, yes, Nick Madrigal. Yes, keep doing that. And then uh, he reaches base and just does like just completely idiotic things on the base paths. And I'm just like, 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 please don't get hurt. Just just like, please, (laughs) Mm please, please. And I think, um, that game a few days ago where, uh, your mean Mercedes, I think lit le- legged out an infield single and, and, um, uh, Madrigal was used as a pinch runner. And I'm just like, I honestly kind of trust you the mean, uh, on the base paths more, uh, just mainly because he knows his limitations, right? I-, I think he's definitely a little bit more of a smarter, smarter baseball player in general, uh, than Madrigal. But, uh, other than that, um, uh, yeah, there, there, there's plenty to improve upon. I think defensively, uh, yeah, defensively and, and on the base paths are probably uh, his two big weaknesses. But uh, when it comes to uh, the bat itself, uh, I, I think, yeah, definitely his greatest power are, are just getting those uh, th- those slappy two strike singles uh, that we love to see, especially better when they drive in runs.
0: Let's go back to the starting rotation, Janice. Uh, of course, uh, we all know about Rodon's great performance on Wednesday. But last Tuesday, Giolito uh, had a great performance against Shane Bieber, but Cleveland uh, had the runs at the end. Of course, Lance Land on Thursday, he had ten strikeouts through six innings, but he threw a mistake uh, breaking ball to Jose Ramirez because there goes the game for the White Sox. Talk to us about uh, Giolito and Lance Lane. Do you think those are the two workhorse for the Sox stars to go deep into innings because we, uh, we all grew up uh, watching uh, at least a couple of pitches go deep into uh, to a ball game it's at least seven to eight innings you don 't see it anymore, but at least from for what I can see, manager Tony LaRussa trust both Giolito and Lance Lynn to go deep into the ball games.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh so it's really nice to uh see LaRussa kind of uh, trust his players in that regard. Uh <laughs> so uh, other than those two games uh, where, yeah, both Giolito and Lynn were absolutely lights out the entire time. Uh, it, very frustrating. just mainly because I'm like drawing so many parallels between them and uh, Jacob deGrom, where you, you're seeing all of these, just like quality starts, the, these absolutely elite, uh, elite performances from these ace pitchers. And uh, yeah, the offense isn't able to, to reciprocate that. Uh, So yeah, it it does get frustrating, I'm sure, uh, because yeah, winning is a team effort. It absolutely is. Uh but yeah, um, especially because when you think about a guy uh like Giolito who throws high velocity, uh there's definitely going to be a lot of wear and tear on that arm. Um so Giolito's already had uh, Tommy John, and I believe uh, Lance Lynn has too. Mm-hmm. So uh with those guys, uh they're used to throwing hard, they're used to going long innings. Uh there there are workhorses uh definitely needed because uh, there are some times where the bullpen might be uh used a a, a tad too much. I, I think any time that the starting rotation can give the bullpen a night off is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is mainly because then, uh, yeah, y- y- you know everything South when you see a position player kind of performing mop-up duty and I, I don't want to, as much as I think posi- position players pitching is absolutely fascinating, I don't want to see any of that this year.
1: Well, how do you think the White Sox measure up to the rest of the AL Central? I know I know it's early, you know, Casey's leading right now as this, as this recording Who, but who do you think though can really give the White Sox some problems?
2: Goodness. Um, I'm honestly, uh, I, I don't know if maybe I'll eat my words later. I honestly hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I think the Tigers might give the White Sox a little bit of a, of a problem. So, uh, just thinking about, uh, uh, old friend, Nomar Mazzara. He's a, already has like more home runs right now than he did in the entire 2020 season. I think he's also driven in more runs than he did all last year too, but maybe that's a, a gross exaggeration there. Uh, the Tigers also have got uh, Akil Badu, uh, who is uh, kind of uh, your, the, your mean Mercedes equivalent Again, another really fascinating story, uh, Rule 5 guy picked up. I think he's 22 years old, uh, just is absolutely mm-hmm. able to mash anything and everything, uh, and that pitching staff too. So uh, uh, Tarek Skubel, Casey Mize, mm-hmm. um, so they're all um, having some pretty formidable starts. Uh, other than that, um, I am not so sure about the Twins. They've had a, a rough couple of, of games. Um, so Cleveland too. Uh, even though uh, yeah, the White Sox very well could have swept uh, that series with Cleveland, uh, just it didn't happen. But it's it, it's still it's still early in the season. There's plenty of time to get those games back. Um, I think Kansas City, uh, I, I don't think I gave Kansas City enough credit for their offseason. Uh, I think uh, especially adding uh, Carlos Santana and uh, Andrew Benintendi, I mm. think those guys uh, are really going to contribute well to Kansas City. Um, and Kansas City, like weirdly enough, also has a, a pretty solid bullpen too. Uh, thinking about uh, Josh Staumont, yeah. Um, I don't know, not a huge fan of their pitching rotation. Uh, Brady Singer seems like he might be uh, a pretty a pretty formidable guy. Uh, but other than that, I think, I think the Tigers might give the White Sox the most trouble.
0: Before we move on, Janice, uh, as a personal note, I'm glad that Cheater H.A. Inch is not on the south side, side. Even though the Sox didn't <laughs> talk to him, according to reports, I'm glad that Cheater is not on our team. But that's a whole other issue for a whole other time. Yeah, Janice Curio... You and me both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you understood. <laughs> Janice Scurrio, friend of the show from NBC Sports Edge, is joining us here on Second City Sports, along with Lakeena McGee. I am Sydney Brown. we halfway home uh, with our interview. Janice, let's stay with the White Sox before we go to the rest of baseball. Adam Eaton, so far, three home runs. Where did this power surge comes from? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that he blows at the top of the li- lineup? I know Tim Anderson, who just returned to action on Thursday. Uh, Do you think that Adam Eaton deserves to be at the top of the lineup or the bottom of the lineup?
2: Oh, man, Um, that's a great question. I just mainly because at first uh, I was like, that this guy definitely is more of a bottom of the lineup guy. Um, (laughs) But looking at his on base percentage, uh, 370 right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I believe that's like definitely top of the lineup material to me uh and just he's yeah three home runs 10 rbi uh five walks too which i think is super important he's also been hit by a pitch three times <laughs> um yeah not that i i don't i don't necessarily agree with a lot of his on field and off field antics but uh, other than that um yeah i, I think he's proven that he, he could definitely be a good top of the lineup guy
0: that was a bullcrap call. I'm keeping it clean for the kids. There was a bullcrap call on Thursday. He was safe at second base. He
1: was, he was. We'll really, leave
0: really that alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's another,
1: another, uh, another story for another episode, Janice. Um, how do you think, you know, Taylor is doing so far as manager?
2: Um, The first couple of games, uh, I definitely kind of saw a lot of that uh, conflict between kind of like this old school uh, baseball ideology kind of clashing with uh, this new school kind of let the kids play type thing. Uh, I I, I kind of figured that might be an issue, uh, but if it was an issue, it would probably be like either just brushed aside or resolved pretty quickly. I know that a lot of the players in the clubhouse, Lucas Giolito included, uh, seem to get along with him great. Um, I, think, I think Tim Anderson gets along with him great too. And I mean, hey, if they have no problem with him, then I have no problem with him. Uh, other than that, uh, the only things that I've been critical of uh, are a lot of Renteria-like decisions with the bullpen, which I um, was talking about earlier but uh yeah there are a lot of things that i think he probably still needs to grasp um i think uh, earlier uh, he wasn't aware about uh the the time limit on challenges yes. uh, there were a lot there there were some challenged plays that uh, he, he didn't yeah. go after um and it's sort of like oh, all right so so where is this hall of famer baseball person wisdom that we were supposed to with that that we were promised uh but again though um even though I, I think the last time i came on your show i i told you guys that i wasn't a huge fan of of the move uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of nepotism in general
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so that, that's pro- that's mostly why i didn't like it honestly uh but other than that um yeah. He manages like my favorite baseball team. So it's, it's sort of like, like what the hell do I do? Right. So mm. other than that, like I, I've got an open mind though. I mean, if, if he certainly just wants to, uh, yeah, win games, uh, that's totally like, I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that.
0: This weekend, Jess, uh, Janice, I should say, uh, the White Sox have a big four-game series uh, in Boston against the Red Sox. Of course, Friday's game uh, was uh, was rained out, so they'll play two on Sun Sunday. And of course, they have the Patriots Day game on Monday at 10 o'clock a.m. Chicago time. That's all right, folks. I did not misread. It was it's 10 o'clock in the morning Chicago time on Monday. But uh, uh, Boston, the Red Sox have been one of been, has been one of surprise teams in Major League Baseball this year. Of course, the White Sox are a game under 500. What do you expect to see from the White Sox this weekend in Fenway?
2: Oh my goodness. Uh, Yeah, so hopefully if it stops snowing in in Boston.
1: uh, (laughs) Spring nor'easter in the Boston, the whole area.
0: (laughs) For sure.
2: Uh, So yeah, the Red Sox have some players that are absolutely right lighting it up right now. So a uh, JD Martinez. Uh, so uh, JD Martinez is a uh, 2020, uh, not great. Uh, But of course, too, with loosened COVID protocols, uh, players are now able to study video again in the dugout. Uh, So they weren't able to last season. A couple of players said that they were really affected by it. Uh, And I believe it. I believe it. Um, As someone who uh, loves to um, study video myself and someone who always likes to correct where I've gone wrong, I totally get it. So I think uh, Yasmani Grandal said that he was affected by the rule. Uh, So did Javi Baez. Um, and J.D. Martinez was also one of them, too. And so right now, uh, he's got a 378 batting average, uh, absolutely mashing right now, um, American League-leading five home runs, 16 RBI. Uh, yeah, uh, they've also got some good speedsters, too. So Marlon Gonzalez, Christian Vasquez, each with uh, two stolen bases each. Uh, the offense, I think, is definitely going to be uh, one to watch out for. So hopefully, hopefully White Sox pitching is prepared for that.
1: I know it's like super early in the season still, Jan. Yeah, as we are, you know, not even like three weeks in. But what do your team and player in either, either the AL or the NL, has impressed you so far?
2: Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So uh, a non-White Sox player. Uh, So uh, certainly Akil Badu is probably one of them uh, from the Tigers uh, in the American League. Uh, I think he's looked absolutely spectacular. Uh, So in the National League, I think uh, someone who is definitely making a splash right now is uh, Zach McKinstry of the Dodgers. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe he even like walked the game off for them uh, the other day. Uh, So, uh, very kind of a vague anecdotal evidence, uh, but uh, every time I check with my Dodgers Twitter friends, uh, Zach McKinstry is always doing something, and it's always, like, helping the team win. Uh, So, I I think he's going to be one to watch out for, too, Uh, and he's currently operating as uh, an outfielder for the Dodgers, too, and the Dodgers are still winning games. They 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 still have the best record in all of baseball, and this is with Mookie Betts out. This is with Cody Bellinger out. Uh, so they, they, they've they shown that they know what depth looks like. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Dodgers have it figured out. Good for them.
0: Speaking of the Dodgers, Janice, last question for me, as we, uh, uh, wrap up the conversation with you, another big series this weekend will take place in San Diego between the upstart, uh, San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. who had the big, uh, uh signing, uh, uh, not signing bones, but he had a big contract extension in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, he injured his shoulder about a week and a half ago. He's expected to play this weekend. Do you think that was a smart decision for the Padres to bring him back just for the series? Because I'm, I'm a common sense type of guy, if you, if you haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> if, it, if San Diego wasn't playing the Dodgers, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. will be on the injury list right now. So can you tell me that was a bad decision or a great decision by the Padres organization?
2: Oh man. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit, uh, before where, uh, th- the general consensus is that they're rushing him back way too quickly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I did see a video of him taking grounders successfully, uh, at mm-hmm. short. Uh, so maybe, uh, maybe he's feeling good, uh, but they discovered uh, they, or they they diagnosed it as a shoulder subluxation, and I'm just sort of like, like, what the heck is a subluxation? Like, I, I think everyone, <laughs> everyone was like, 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 what is that? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so let's yeah. Google that one. Yeah, know. right, and usually that. If, it's, if it's some sort. Right. If it's some sort of injury that you've never heard of before, it's likely pretty bad. Uh, so uh, it's essentially a dislocation, uh, which I mean, um, yeah, probably uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how that compares with uh, Eloy Menez's uh, tear of his pectoral. But uh, yeah, I, I just have a feeling that it might be a little too soon for him to come back. Um, I totally understand why they would do that though. But uh, thinking about uh, who they have uh, right now filling in for um, Tatis set short, I believe it is uh, Kim. Can't think of his first name. Uh, ha Kim. There we go. ha Kim. So to kind of look at what he's been doing uh, right now, currently he's batting 194, uh, three, three runs, only one homer, two RBI. Uh, so... Uh, I don't know if maybe it's because they're um, not too happy with this production at the plate, uh, but otherwise, uh, Sydney, I, I agree with you that it might be a little little too hasty for him to come back.
1: It, I, I was shocked when I saw that yesterday. I was like, uh, you guys talk about it was like going to be pretty serious, and now you're trying to bring it back for a series. that it probably won't mean anything this early on, but I don't know. Like maybe that's why they're they're managing or we're, we're doing what we're doing. So, um, last question for me, Janice. Um, I I think with with you know COVID with everything slowly starting to get back to normal. Since I've been having this discussion for like the last few months, especially once the vaccines started becoming more and more available, do you, you know when do you think we'll see like full capacity in these baseball? You know these baseball stadiums uh, we're seeing there already in in texas of course um but here in chicago the Keenan and very limited which is very very smart so when do you think we'll see you know the full capacity are we're going to see it just in time for that playoff push for the white Sox, or what, what what what's your opinion on it
2: oh goodness i honestly hope it's limited uh as as much as it needs to be uh just mainly because Uh, Yeah, I mean, the vaccines rolled out. I think uh, the more people get vaccinated, uh, the better I will feel about it. Uh, And just a personal anecdote myself, um, I am halfway uh, through my vaccination process. Uh, My second shot scheduled for next Monday. I am so incredibly happy for that. Uh, So uh, you won't see me at the ballpark until I'm fully vaccinated, uh, just mainly because uh, I certainly want to uh, limit my carrier risk. And I also want to limit my own risk, too. But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I think going to full capacity in the near future would would definitely be a foolish decision. Uh, We're already seeing cases resurging uh, in Illinois as is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're almost at the finish line. We're almost on the exit. We're on the exit ramp, like trying to get off the expressway, mm-hmm. but there's traffic, right? We, we, like, like, we just got to be patient. Like, we, we got to continue masking. Uh, we got to uh, just push through it. Um, yeah, just, just limit our contact with others if we can uh, and just do our best to be safe and protect others.
0: All right, that was friend of the show, Ms. Janice Scurrio of NBC Sports Edge, and she's also the co-host of the Northside Sox podcast. Janice, thank you so much for joining us here today. Great job, great analysis, as always. Where can people find you on social media, and where can they catch your podcast?
2: Absolutely. Uh, So you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, My Twitter name is Scuriosa, which is uh, my last name's uh, misspelled uh, S C U R I I O S A Uh, Northside Socks. We're, uh, we're an SB nation podcast. You can find us at Northside Socks pod. We've also, we've actually got an episode dropping tomorrow. Pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. And you can find my work on Southside Socks and NBC Sports Edge. So yeah, thanks for having me on guys.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Janice. Um, don't be a stranger. You know you're a friend of the show now, so this was your second appearance. Um, please come back again. We we'll ha- we hope to have you on l- again later in the season.
2: Thanks, Thank Janice. you. It'll be my pleasure. Thank you so much, Janice. All right. Stay safe. Thanks. Take care.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was Janice um, said. Oh boy, that, that was a lot of fun. You know, we're all, always educating us on the yes. all things baseball, Miss Janice. So I, I always love when we have her on the program.
0: Yes, always diving into into the, the numbers. Of course, we all know that baseball is a numbers game, and she does a great job before uh, NBC Sports. And she, she check out her articles and is very uh, in, in, insightful. So you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80.
1: You can follow me at Kenny McGee on the Twitter and at Kenoscroll McGee on the IG.
0: You can catch our episodes on Second City Sports on YouTube at War Media every Monday and Friday. And you can catch our podcast every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and at our iHeartRadio app. Type in that search engine box on all podcast platforms, WARR on Anchor. And you can follow us on all social media platforms at War Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's once again at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: All right, so stay safe out there, everybody. Once again, (laughs) Forreston, I'm Lakina. This has been Second City Sports, Zoom style, and we'll see you next week.
0: Till next time, holla!